Welcome back, everyone, to The Back Pegs, episode 22. Nathan here with Laz and Laz. Club football may be winding down for the season, but the stories don't stop. What a week it has been. Where do we start, Nathan? Where do we start? It's amazing. We've got Saudi Arabia news, Messi, international teams, last week's A-League Grand Final. There's so much to cover off on this episode. Two European finals, preview to the Champions League final on Sunday morning our time. You're right, the football doesn't stop. The football world does not stop for anyone. It's absolutely incredible. And it's with heavy hearts today that we kick off uh, today's, or this week's podcast, because as we record today, uh, on the Thursday, the 8th of June, unfortunately, Australian football has lost a piney, uh Raleigh Rasic. Uh, eternal Absolutely. Maze. Yeah, memory eternal. Yeah, Australia's first World Cup appearance. He was a manager back in 1974 and years prior to that as well. And an icon of the game in this country. I was born too late to see his teams play live, but his impact on the game in this part of the world has been uh, long felt by myself and many others around the country. And he'll be uh, deeply missed. Yeah, he will indeed. He will indeed. Nearly 50 years to, uh, you know... Uh, nearly the 50th anniversary of the 1974 World Cup. And, geez, he's uh, been around in the Australian football scene for so long. And uh, we have truly felt his loss today. So, uh, Bale, Raleigh Rasic, memory eternal. But, 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 there's something that we need to talk about. I've been hammered for it since it's happened. <laughs> Mainly by my Spurs loving friends. Yep. And one in particular, Nectar. Love you. But I've been asked to like reconsider my position with regard to Tottenham Hotspur. <laughs> <laughs> have you got a formal apology, have you? I haven't got a formal apology to Tottenham Hotspur, no. <laughs> However, and I'll just come straight out and let you know the messages that I've been getting. This is the kind of message that I've been getting. <laughs> Now you have to get behind Ange. Will you be able to do that? <laughs> so the answer to that is I'll always be supporting of Ange. Ange is a, a, another pioneer of Australian football. And truly, congratulations to Ange Ostacoglu for putting himself in that kind of position because he was hounded out of the country. And let's call a spade a spade, right? He was hounded out of the national coaching job to the point where he fell out of love with it, and I think that's why he walked away, and justifiably so, because the media campaign against him at the end of that qualification campaign for Russia 2018 was unjustified, uh, agenda-driven, and now he's just gone on to prove his doubt is wrong. And now those people are standing in line trying to congratulate him. Funny that, isn't it? Yeah, and uh, you always got to be careful who you make an enemy out of because I might come back to bite you. And here we are, Ange Postacoglu in the Premier League at the big dance. Yes, it's Tottenham. It's not a uh, bigger club. Look. And I will say off the bat that out of the quote-unquote big six teams in the Premier League, which Tottenham, are, Spurs, which Tottenham aren't a part of. <laughs> you, you said you have to rein that in. <laughs> no, I don't. Okay, hang on. Let me make a point, though, with regards to this. Ange is moving to a bigger league, not a bigger club. Discuss. It depends on your position, really, on Correct. your uh, metrics. Depends on your metrics. Well, I look at the ta- I look at the ladder, 
for a start, the last English Premier League ladder. But not only that, I would contend that Celtic has a similar following as compared to Tottenham Hotspur. Celtic are European are a European champion club. Tottenham Hotspur are not. Well, well, you're right there. You are right. Well, um, but really, out of the big teams, what I was sort of getting at is the big teams in the Premier League, the obvious ones, maybe yourselves included. I'm hesitant to include you so soon. You've only just arrived at the big table once more, but after twenty Ange years, going, uh, yeah, after twenty years, and Ange going to Spurs is the most palatable. If it's not my team or their team, if anyone's not saying it, like if it's not going to be to Manchester United, the next choice that I would put Postecoglou at, if it was to be a big Premier League side, would be Tottenham. Yeah, look, I agree. Look, the club is a good fit. I was always hoping that Ange would end up at Newcastle after Eddie Howe. Right. And he still I, might. And he still might. Selfishly, you know, and that's the only position that that's the only reason why I was hoping that uh that Ange would stay at Celtic for the next season, right? <laughs> you know, because I was pushing the agenda that he had unfinished business with regard to Europe. And look, I still think that Celtic do, because to be fair, that Celtic side actually played some very good football in the Champions League group stage. They did, yeah. Absolutely they did. And took it to Real Madrid in that game. Oh, very much so. Nil-nil at halftime, Celtic should have been armed. And then they ran out of legs towards the end. But really, outside of Chelsea and Arsenal, no one really hates Spurs. I'll throw West Ham in there as well. Oh, the London clubs don't get along. <laughs> I mean... Crystal Palace don't, you know, like all between those London clubs. Okay, Millwall will hate, you know, will obviously you know, dish on West Ham, right? And, you know, imagine how the Millwall supporters are feeling this morning or this, you know, today after West Ham's success, which we can cover off later on. But all the London clubs are definitely uh, hating on each other, that's for sure. They are, but it's not exactly, aside from Chelsea and Arsenal and West Ham, it's not vitriolic. They don't like each other. Spurs and Chelsea do not get along. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But my point is that, say, Liverpool have a big rival with Manchester United. Correct. Manchester United have a big rival with Liverpool, Man City and Arsenal, going back to the 90s. Yep. And... There's a lot more of a developed rivalry between the other big clubs as opposed to those clubs with Tottenham. I agree. Tottenham, it almost feels like uh, they're harmless. They're not a threat. Let them think they're Billy Big Bollocks. They're not going to really challenge anyone at the top of the table. Alex Ferguson was telling his Manchester United players at halftime, I think they were down 3-0 at one point in a, in a game. They said, guys, this is Tottenham. And, and man, you end up winning 5-3, right? So... <laughs> So, look, I think the era of this is Tottenham is about to change. I think if Levy has got this appointment wrong, then there will be a lot of pressure on him. He's The fact that he's actually offered Ange a four-year contract says, I think makes a statement in as, in as far as we're going to back this guy and we're going to put up with the pain that is going to happen because if you recall, always in the first – Six six weeks of Ange taking over a team during the season, there's always a bit of pain. So Spurs are going to have that kind of pain. And it's funny because I've heard Celtic supporters actually ring up and say, you guys, you know, Spurs supporters do not deserve Ange. And it's interesting to note that the Celtic supporters from the start were pretty much on board. It was everybody else in Scotland that were really, you know, really sceptical of Ange and saying Ange and that's who, because yeah. that's because Celtic were coming from Arguably their lowest ebb for about 50 years. Correct. And Spurs, they're in a similar 
sort of area at the moment. Yes, there's more, there's levels to it. You can always get worse, but where Spurs are at the moment, the last three years, they've been playing the most unwatchable, undesirable football in the league. Yeah. I've said multiple times on this podcast and other platforms that, that they play the worst football in the mm-hmm. league. There's no team I'd rather watch less than Tottenham. Mm-hmm. At least now, Ange is going to get them playing good football. And I think as see the six-month thing or six-week thing, it's always going to be an issue. But as long as you can see some green shoots coming through, yep. then the supporters are always going to give you a bit more time. And Spurs conceded so many goals last season. Yeah. Way too many goals. Yeah. The question remains if that's something more tactical or on the personnel side of things, but that is going to get exposed in the first couple of months. It will. They will concede goals. They'll have games which are 4-3. They might get beat by a couple of goals in a few games as well. Like, I'm sure they will. They'll lose like a 3-1 or a 4-1, something mm, like that. Mm, I'm yeah, pretty sure that will happen. bound to happen. Bound to happen. And similarly, you mentioned the Celtic supporters were on board from the start. Aside from the ones that are chronically on Twitter, and because Twitter's always Twitter, outside of that, generally I'm seeing the same sort of positive feeling from Tottenham supporters, that they're happy that Ange has come in, they're willing to give him that initial honeymoon period or grace period mm. and see it out because even though the guy doesn't have Premier League experience or Champions League experience beyond the two cam- or the one campaign with Celtic, they can see what he has done, that he has won things everywhere he's been, He's changed the culture everywhere he's been, and everywhere he has been, the players all love him. So I think Tottenham supporters are going to get behind him. It's just a question on whether Levy allows him to succeed. I agree with you on that last point. I'm staggered by the apparent ignorance toward Ostokoglu and his achievements from an element of the Spurs supporters. Because when you're saying no to Ange and they're you know doing their Twitter lobby and all that kind of rubbish, okay, it just goes to show that they have actually don't watch football outside of their clubs. And I know that's a common theme in the UK, right? But it's not that far away. You don't know what's happening in the country next to you, right? Have you no idea at all? Have you not actually considered that the guy looked at his record before you actually commented? They haven't. They haven't seen what he's done. The guy's a winner. It's really quite simple, right? Yeah, it is. I, it is. Yeah. And- Really, I haven't seen too many Spurs fans in other platforms and other areas that have been dismissive like the hashtag no to Ange yeah. stuff that mm-hmm. I do see on Twitter. And you're right, there's a lot of supporters that don't watch anything outside the Premier League. Or their own club. Or their own club. That mm. took the words out of my mouth. And there's a world of football out there. And really, if you're a Spurs supporter who's only watching your club week by week, it must have been a horrible three years. You deserve it. <laughs> But yeah. But going back to the four year deal, Laz, that's really a, a really positive sign. I think so. I think because so. Because it was initially reported to be a two plus one. Mm. And then once the statement came out, it was a flat four year deal, not a three plus one, a flat four. Yeah. Which is a completely different scenario. And either way, if um it does go horribly wrong and Levy gets itchy and he goes by Christmas, which is worst case scenario, and he's getting a fat payday. And well-deserved. And I think he will actually win a trophy during his I tenure. I think he will as well. A cup. Yeah. Yeah, like an FA Cup or a yeah. League Cup or something like that. Look, Spurs can't challenge for the Premier League. I don't think so. Not at this stage. I think Realistically, just, they can't. It, it, I think that you need a lot of resources, as in money, and also a technical department, a football department, which is 
really clever and really savvy. So having said that, I think that Newcastle have shown signs of that, right? It's just a question of them being able to consolidate and go on from the base that they've established now. Brighton have shown how savvy their operation they are, but they lost McAllister as well. But I think I don't think he's that big of a loss, to be honest. I, I was just about to say that. I don't think that mm. it's that huge a loss because they're quite savvy. Yeah. So and and Cinso yeah. looks just as good. What a player! From the, from the glimpses we've seen already, what a player that kid is. And mm. he's only a kid. He's only nineteen. Yeah. It's incredible. Incredible. But uh, on a serious note, we want to wish Andrew all the best. I've actually uh, tried to uh, contact him directly um, through a connection. So hopefully. Um, we can try our luck and try and get him on. <laughs> It'd be great. Hashtag get Andrew on the back peg. But um, yeah, no, it would be great to actually have Andrew on. And uh, we wish him all the best because it is a hell of a milestone from a personal career achievement. You know, it, it's just incredible. It is just incredible. I mean, I'm in awe of it and couldn't, you know, be happier for him because it's well-deserved. And, this should have been, and I'm not sure what the coverage is, to be fair, but I don't know if it actually made front page or back page on the mainstream newspapers. I doubt it did, but it should. Yeah, I saw a couple of back pages that people were highlighting that didn't have any mention of it on the back page. It was uh, one paper in WA I saw that had just a picture of Nick Natanui oh. involved in whatever he was involved <sighs> with. I didn't I didn't even read the article or anything beyond it. Yeah, um, sure. I think I saw on Fox Sports News on what was it the Wednesday or yeah yeah Wednesday maybe Tuesday that that was the feature story they brought it up every fifteen minutes or so. I still think that there's an anti-football and anti-Ange agenda at times. I I really do. And look, one day he'll feel love again from Australia. I think I think he's already felt it when he came with Celtic last year, and I'm sure he'll feel it. On Tottenham's preseason tour, which the, is the amazing irony. how the world works. I know the irony, <laughs> eh? The irony. Incredible. He'll be in Perth. Yeah. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. And I'm sure he'll get a great reception in Perth when they come out. But that's not all the Spurs talk that we have. Go on. One, they've just dropped their new kit. Looks great. I have to, oh, I have to admit, the new home kit looks does good. It? Yeah, does I like it? it. It's clean. It's boring. No, I know that, but it's very clean. It's very that's, clean. I was going to message you. This is what I was talking about last week with Nike kits. Yeah, yeah, I, I understand what you. Yeah, look, I get your point with regard to that, but I thought it. I thought it looked clean. The campaign itself, yeah, leave me out of it. But the, mind, it would look nicer with the navy shorts. Yeah, but there's one Harry Kane that we need to talk about. That there is. Does he stay? Does he go? Where does he go? Where do you sit on this? And we should maybe we should put a poll on our Insta page. Where do you sit on this? Because I have my thoughts, but I want to hear your thoughts. All right, chips on the table time. Absolutely. Because we've got a bit of a knack for predicting some transfers in the past, one that we may come on to in a, in a few minutes. Sure. But for mine, Harry Kane, there's two options that, I'll, that I'm tossing up between. Does he stay at Spurs for one more season or does he go Real Madrid? They're the only two options. Nowhere, else in, Levy, nowhere else in the UK. Look, if he was to leave Tottenham to go to a Premier League team, it would be Manchester United. I think that would be the club. They're the only club that realistically can get him, stroke, he would go to, he wouldn't go to Chelsea, even though it'd be a great fit for Chelsea. There would be a one other club that he possibly could go to in the UK. Not your boys. That would be the only other club. Nah, no. Nah. Th- nah, but that would be the only other club. 
that he would I go. I can't see him going there. I can't see him going there. I can't see him going to either Manchester United or Newcastle United, only on a free. I can't see him go to another Premier League team because Levy won't sell him to one. No, but on a free, if he stays there, mm. he's going to leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because maybe Anderson have, can get him to sign a new deal, perhaps. Would he not maybe. have signed a, real, a new deal already? Yeah, I think. Also, I think Harry Kane's looking for a reason to hang around. Please make otherwise me stay. He, otherwise, make... he would have booted the door down and got out by now. Please make me stay. <laughs> I don't um, want to go. I know. I don't think he wants to go. I don't think so either. But okay, look, there's been a seismic shift in football over the week <laughs> during the week. <laughs> it feels like there has been, right? <laughs> yeah. But with Benzema leaving, which we can talk about later on, if we, if mm-hmm. you know. I don't know what time this upload's going to finish, Jeez. Just, you know, strap yourselves oh, in because there's a there lot to so do. There is so much coming off. <laughs> right? But with Benzema leaving, the perfect opportunity for Harry Kane to actually go and test himself as well at this age in the form that he's in has got to be now. It has to be now. And they and Real Madrid, it's they've made it, you know, obviously clear through the apparent channels that they need to that they're interested they were hoping to wait till they thought Benzema would hang around for one more year. So then they could go again to the Mbappe door, right? But that door's closed now, right, for at least the next 12 months. And I don't think they're going to sign Kane just to cover themselves for the next 12 months and then try and go to Mbappe. Although you never know, this is Real Madrid. They could However, definitely play in the same team, Kane and Mbappe. Oh, yeah. Oh, Absolutely. My Lord, what a team that would be. Like you would but, have Vinny on the left and Bappe on the right yeah, and in the middle dropping exactly. Well, that that's it what would I'm work. Saying. What a team that would be. Mm. And the uh, interesting thing is, Sergio Ramos, right, came out and said, when a team like Real, when Re- not when a team like, when Real Madrid come knocking on your door, you need to answer. Not because of any, but it's the opportunity of a lifetime, right? Does he go? Does he go? It depends what matters most to him. Is it being almost the one cup player at Spurs, getting what? the all time goal scoring record? Is it I the know, potential know, chance to win a trophy at Tottenham, which we both said a couple of minutes ago that we Could think Andrew will win a trophy yeah. at Spurs? We think we think that'll happen, yeah. Be it a, a smaller cup, whatever, yep. League Cup, FA Cup. Yep. They can do that over the next yeah. couple of okay. years. Okay. All right. Let's Is that up. more important and we can say our thoughts, what we would do in his position. Go for but it. at the end of the day, Harry Kane is Harry Kane. Well, and yes. maybe he has different priorities. For mm-hmm. mine, the opportunity to go and win something bigger than a League Cup or an FA Cup is a bigger draw card. You go to Real Madrid, you've got a one in two and a half chance of winning the league. Yep. You've got maybe a one in six chance of winning the Champions League. Yep. At worst. Mm-hmm. And you can go down as a, a real football legend, not just a Tottenham legend or be it another club. I don't see him moving to Manchester United because Levy won't sell him this summer, nor will he sell Levy, nor, nor will Levy sell Kane to another Premier League team. Yep. On a free, maybe, but I think for Manchester United, they'll go in a different direction if it's not Kane this summer, and yep. then that door will be shut. Yep, I agree. So he won't go on a free next season. So Manchester City door shut, Manchester United yep. door shut now, right? I think any, it's shut. Yeah, any other, you, well... Provided if he stays there for 12 months and then goes there on a free, that's a possibility. I think United signed someone else this summer. And then and I, I think that then that goes out the door, right? Yeah. So then that leaves Newcastle United after that. He won't go to Newcastle United on a free. Why not? Because it's too they're too far away from challenging for the big trophies. He might as well stay at Tottenham. No, they're not. They're closer than what Spurs are. 
This season, yes, not a, not no, no. But a next season, scope. next season they will be. You guys will fall off a little bit next season. I, I think we, I think Newcastle United finished top four again. No, I don't think so. I think so. Because I'm, you guys, I'm, have had... com, I'm confident of that. But listen, I'm, I'm confident the Saudi, of the, the Saudi, the Saudi money is going to is going to kick in, not in a big way, but the reinforcements that they get to bolster this Champions League squad, right? Will they will handle Champions League and Premier League? And everybody will be surprised. Newcastle United will finish top four again. They're 12 to 24 months ahead of where they wanted to be, right? But just look at the Manchester City example as a point in case, right? And when you look at the timelines between Newcastle United and Manchester City, Newcastle United are probably, you know, like I said, 12 to 24 months ahead of where Manchester City were when the, uh, when the Abu Dhabi uh, money came in comparatively. Right, because where they went and signed Manchester City went and signed Rubinho and those kind of players, and Mark Hughes was the manager. You've got a different kettle of fish here. You've got a different kettle of fish here. There's two reasons why I think your guys will regress a little bit next season. You're a bit biased, one. <laughs> and I hold want that. my own team to do better. That's two. right. Hold that thought. Hold that thought. <laughs> okay, so you were saying with your biased opinion why Newcastle United <laughs> won't remain in the top four. Go on. So there's something to be said about not playing European football this season, right? Agree. And where I see Newcastle United at now in the pecking order of the Premier League is pretty much there or thereabouts where Leicester City were under Rodgers in the season where they finished fifth twice in a row. Character. The difference for this season, yeah, great character. The difference for this season just gone is the strength of Liverpool, Spurs, and so on, and Chelsea. Yeah, great. So in a normal season, you guys would not have finished fourth if the other teams were where they should have been. What? Hang on. What do you mean a normal season? So teams naturally, have, teams sorry. will naturally, yeah, but you're assuming here. Hang on. Sorry. No, no let, let me let me flesh it out. Go on, go on. Liverpool massively underperformed this season. Yes? With regard to previous seasons gone by, yes. yes. But we called that saying that, hey, he's, you know, Klopp has gotten as much juice as he can out of this current crop and that he should have replenished the midfield. So they were there for the taking. And you guys have done fantastic to take that spot from them. Sure. But Liverpool will bounce back next season. Hang on. You guys, by that reckoning, you guys took Chelsea's spot. Sure. Sure. Okay. But the point is, the level from those quote-unquote big teams that dropped off the season just gone, they will get better for the new season. You guys have got to contend with Champions League football next season, right? And you said, yes, You'll strengthen the squad. There'll be more depth. Sure. But it's more than that. It is the routine. It is going Wednesday, Saturday, Thursday, Saturday, whatever it is. And also, you guys aren't the surprise package anymore. No. Agree. You're not the hunters anymore. But yes, no. Things will agree. be ready for you next season. I agree with that aspect only, right? Because training sessions between Wednesday and, and Saturday can always be changed as well, right? So you can always accommodate for the fact that you're going to be playing twice a week for at least three months, right? Depending but on how successful only, you are. But that's only good if a team is playing well. I agree. You can't but, get on the training pitch and change things if something's going horribly wrong. There's, you can't fix a tactical problem when you're mm, playing every every three days. No, it's not that easy. I, I grant you, right? Next season will be somewhat more of a regular season as well because you won't have a World Cup in the middle of it. Yep. So with by that reckoning, I would suggest to you that I think, and given the... Now, so the people that we know are at Newcastle. That's been a big plus for the club 
right? Yeah, absolutely. And my hat goes off to Dan Ashworth and the job that he's done there. Fantastic job. You've taken the words right out of my mouth. Yeah. Because you knew that's where I was going. <laughs> yeah. Right? So when you've got Cluey operators and, you know, they those operators, so Dan and his team Ed, and obviously um, Eddie Howe, they're considered to be top of class at the moment or, you know, in in that top echelon at the moment, given the way that they've been operating. So effectively, since Eddie Howe has taken over with Dan Ashworth and the support crew and your mate Jason Tindall, there you like, <laughs> right? Mr. Center of Attention, yes. <laughs> They're doing something right. Because when you look at the points collated from the time that they've commenced to the end of this season just gone, right, they've done an amazing job. And the form has been consistent from the time effectively that they took over. So you've got a season and a half where they're, you know, yes, for half a season they were a surprise because they were, came out of the relegation zone and almost, almost finished top half at the end of the previous season. And now they finished in fourth when they could have quite actually, if it wasn't for the number of draws that they had, right, they could have finished second. Well, you can say that about every team. No, but sure. But uh, uh, really, they only lost a handful of games. If you have a yeah. look at it defensively, they have the second best defense. Yeah, and a lot of that is down to the tactics and down to the play style. The guy, the fact that you guys had the ball in play less than anyone else in the league comes into it. Hmm. And look, perfect for European football. Perfect for European football. By it the way. is to be fair. And also, that you guys will be a pot four team in the draw for the Champions League. You will get a tough group, whatever the however it comes out, right? So. Realistically, you'll finish either second or third in the group. Yeah, there'll be three. There'll be three top dogs in that group, including Newcastle. Either yeah. way, so if you were to finish third, drop into the Europa League, that for me adds even more load than a Champions League campaign. I agree with you there. So if I was to offer you right fifth and the Europa League semi-final, mm-hmm. would you deem that? I'm not saying would you take it or not. Would you deem that as a passable, passable or successful season? Fifth and a Europa League win. Yeah, you take it. Absolutely. What if I do a final? Because then, because then, because then, no, because then you end up in Champions League. You've got to win the Europa League. If you're in the Europa League, you've got to win it. Mm. If you're not going to finish where you need to finish in order to qualify for the Champions League. But is that the marker for success for you next season? Champions League football for the one after or not? Agree. Has to be. They've got to play Champions League again the year after. That's why I contend that they'll finish top four. They're just looking at it, just thinking about it now. I think City, Arsenal, Liverpool will all finish top four next season. The the balance of the 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 balance of the football system, the English Premier League, is changing. Right, you are going to have eight clubs where all those where there'll be alternates because as soon as Pep goes, Manchester City will be out of the top four initially. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you're going to have chopping and changing between you know in the top eight places, but I contend that. The top eight clubs will be where they are now. Sorry, say that again. The, the top eight. Clubs so the top eight clubs be... will be comprised of where they like of the club. Sorry, what I'm trying to say is the top eight clubs that you've got now. I think are the top eight that you'll be playing with, with for years to come. Just that what, the order will change. Brighton and Villa. Oh, Villa! I think I think Villa under Emery for the next little while will be thereabouts, and I think Brighton are very good operators. Chelsea, I don't see sorting out that mess for the next year or two. And they're going to need potch time. He yeah, needs two seasons. Th- he needs the same two reason seasons. I think you guys will finish outside top four next season, yeah. I think Brighton will drop off in the same vein. 
I don't know about that. Simply for the reason of playing midway football. I don't know about that. Mate, they've got very clear operators. They do, and I'm not saying they don't. And I'm also not saying that if Brighton finish 8th or ninth next season, it'll be a failure. No, sure. But I think some regression next season for Newcastle and Brighton is to be expected. That sounds like the uh, attitude of a of a elitist, you know, club supporter. We are Manchester United, you know. <laughs> I'm not even every, talking about Manchester every, Everyone else is below us, right? <laughs> That's the kind of attitude that you have, and I'm You're taking shocked. A piss, but... And I'm, I'm shocked and appalled by that attitude, by that elitist attitude, Nathan. You know better than that. <laughs> I expected better than that. You can't argue with me on points. Are you arguing the person? <laughs> Hey, look, it may well happen, right? It, it, all jokes aside, it may well happen. I'm hoping not, and I contend not, right? Because, like I said, purely on the basis that Newcastle have shown for 18 months that, at least that they're there or thereabouts and they've been consistently in that at that level of performance, right? Yes, the European season will uh, – the European campaign, rather, will test them. Likewise, Brighton. But I think you've got very clearly operators, both in Brighton's case, who we've said before, probably the best club – best run club – administer club in Europe, potentially. And you've got the backing of the Saudis with regards to Newcastle United. So the game has changed and the pecking order of the English foot of the English Premier League will change. And there's going to be fluctuation in amongst that eight. Yeah, of course. There is going to be fluctuation. And yes, Newcastle United have been run pretty well. Brighton are being run even better. But at the end of the day He says Tony with a smile Bloom, on his face. So as at the end of the day, <laughs> Tony Bloom and Dan Ashworth are not putting the ball in the back of the net. No, they're not. But Isak will and, and Isak will, right? <laughs> <laughs> More than Rashford. But there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Shots fired. Yeah, yeah. I was waiting for it. Um mm. but also because the Champions League format is changing the season after next. Yeah, it is. So and I might be wrong, I might be mistaken here, but I think for next season it'll be top five in the Premier League that'll get the Champions League. What do you think of that? It just locks in more of the big teams. Uh, you know what? Gives them it, more margin for error. I didn't mean to interrupt you there, Nathan. Hang on. But I think it just came, it just dawned on me why. I think, isn't that this season that they changed to 40 teams? It's 36, I think. It'll be, th- oh, right. Okay. It'll be 30. Not 40. I think they're adding four teams. I thought they were adding eight. Okay. Uh, might be, th- I think it's 36. Right. Okay. Um, so typically it's the same layer as it is now, top four. Mm, and then mm. assuming the winners of both cups are in the top yep. four, yep. fifth and sixth Europa League, seventh is Conference League. Mm. But ne- when they change the format, they're going to have two spots for the two countries that are top of the coefficient pile. Yeah. And it's almost mathematically impossible that England is not one of those two teams <laughs> for the season after next. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> England will always have that permanent spot. Yeah. So <laughs> and, in most and, seasons, yeah. fifth will also get Champions League football. So it'll be between Spain, Italy, and Germany for and France, possibly, but probably Spain and Italy for the next uh, next spot there. Then. And I think three Italian teams making the finals this season is going to definitely help. Second, definitely helps, yeah. doesn't it? It's an average over the last five years, but. This season no. will definitely be a nice big coefficient haul for them. No, indeed. Um, so, yeah, there's more European football to go around when the format changes. Yeah. We can have our arguments on whether the format change is good for the game or not, but that is one thing that will be a uh, a benefit to that team that finishes fifth in the Premier League. Now, you're taking this conversation to a different place altogether because effectively the Super League is over, is dead and, du- dead and dusted because of what has transpired recently. 
However, that was obviously UEFA's point to try and counter this European Super League. I don't making think, their own. Correct. And, but I don't think there will be a European Super League aside from what UEFA has, has put because you've now got the Saudis who have made a huge play on it. And were you aware, I read reports actually this week, that the Saudi government has provided the Saudi Pro League with a fighting fund of $20 billion to attract the world's best 50 players to the Across Saudi those League. four clubs. Incredible, isn't it? Yeah. I think we've, we have gone on a big tangent there. Well, yeah, I know. I wasn't expecting to bring this up, but... <laughs> no, it, it'll come up a little bit later again, I'm sure. But I want to circle back yep. to how we got onto the Newcastle United and Brighton and all that topic. And Manchester we'll talk United. About Harry Kane. And Manchester, yes, and Manchester United. United. We'll talk about Harry Kane. Yes. The point is that I, that I initially made, what it's going to be, what, 10 minutes ago now? <laughs> is couple that of, couple of minds later. Yeah. For mine, I think Newcastle are no closer to winning the Premier League or Champions League than Tottenham are. Not in any significant manner. At this point, at this point in time, yeah. where about Newcastle United are four places higher than what than what um, Tottenham Hotspur are. Yeah, sure. So yeah, but, but neither club can challenge City or if Liverpool get their act together. Can Manchester United? Cha- okay, hang on. Can Manchester United challenge City for the league? No. Okay, so let's just stop right there. Okay, whilst Guardiola, well, hang on. What's your whilst, point? No, but what my point is, is is this, right? You've said, hey, is anyone closer? Is Newcastle any closer than Spurs? Well, yes, they are. They're four, point, they're four places closer, right? Sure, Manchester, but they're not okay. a realistic challenger for no, this No, but neither are Manchester United and neither Arsenal. I didn't just, just say they are. Okay, well, Guardi- my point is that whilst Guardiola is there, right, no one is going to be challenging Manchester City for the title. It is that simple. Okay, yeah. So okay. let's wait for let's all wait for Pep to retire. To retire. Right or walk Harry away Kane from City. doesn't have that long, mate. Look, if I was Harry Kane, okay, you haven't answered the question. What is he? What What would you be advising? I've said it before, anyway, on previous episodes. What I would be advising Harry Kane to do, and that's to get out of there and to go to Real Madrid, right? Because when they come knocking, you go. It's that simple. If you're a serious professional footballer, right? And yeah, Harry Kane may have his family reasons. I understand that. I appreciate that. That's fine, right? But then don't complain that. Because the point of contention has been that Harry Kane wants to win titles. Well, you're not going to win them right now, right now, at Spurs. And you probably won't win a title. Or Newcastle United. You probably won't win. No, that's true. You probably won't win one for the next two years. But you know what? If he spends, you've said before as well, Nathan, right, that that Harry Kane, wherever he goes, will be for the next six years. True? Yeah. I think he's got six years left at the top level. All right. So I think within six years, right, Newcastle United will win a trophy. and But it won't be the Champions League or the Premier League. Well, I would say more so that it could be the Champions League before the Premier League, right? I can't see it. You don't have you, to see are, it. You don't, no, massive, no, 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 but you don't you have to. You are massive outsiders. On. You don't have to see it. It's, you don't have you're to see it. You're massive outsiders. Part of me actually thinks that you don't want to see it. That's fine, <laughs> right? But you, you, okay, you don't have to see it. Oh, we like The club has made, the owners have made, have made it known that that's what will happen. Sure, but I think it takes more than six years to get to that level. Well, hang on. How long did it take Manchester City to win the Premier League? It took them... They, they, they took over the club in 2008. Yep. And they won the Premier League in 2013. 13? Five years. The 12-13 okay. season, yeah. Yep. Okay. Or All right. the 11-12 the 11, yep. season, it is. Okay. So within... And, and I think they were being conservative, right? When PIF... And Amanda Stavely took over the club. 
they said that they would, um, you know, that they would actually be aiming to win it within within a win a Premier League and a Champions League within ten years. I think that's realistic. Within that time frame, though, it could happen sooner. So who's to say that Hurricane doesn't go to Newcastle, right? And by me saying that, I don't actually believe it's going to happen, right? I'd like to see it happen, but I don't think it will. Obviously. <laughs> okay. Now, because I actually want, I would rather, personally, would like to see Harry Kane go to Spain and test himself, right, and actually try and win a title with Real Madrid because he's got a greater chance if he wants to win trophies. He has got a greater chance right now to go to Madrid and win trophies, especially with Ancelotti staying. Absolutely. Absolutely. I won't argue with you on that whatsoever. Okay. My point is, essentially what it all boils down to is if Harry Kane wants to win trophies, he goes to Real Madrid, whether Correct. it be this summer or next yeah. summer on a free. Yeah. Maybe if Levy really doesn't want to sell him, maybe Real Madrid sign Kai Havertz instead, who has been the reported alternative, hey, and if, he can go next summer. If Harry Kane doesn't go to Real Madrid this summer, it won't happen. That door closes as well. Does it? If he has a yeah, great season does. next season. It does. It closes. It closes. Who are you guys going to get instead? Because then, because I'll tell you why that closes. Because why would he? Why would he want to go to Madrid when I think what that telegraphs is that he's he obviously wants to stay in England by not going this summer. Might he be knows out of his hands. No, but he knows that that well. Yes, but he knows that they've come in for him, and ultimately mm-hmm. the player will say, "Hey, I don't want to go." All right, the club might sell him, and they, you know, but they would have to come to some kind of arrangement. I assume I, you know, that is the only sticking point because. There has been a lot of talk about Harry Kane not wanting to leave England. So then, what I'm what I'm saying to you is that if he doesn't want to leave England, he will go to either Manchester United. But you said that that door will close. If it doesn't happen this summer, the door is shut. Yeah, or Newcastle United, where the pay packet will be more than sufficient, right? And he gets probably more than what he's getting now at Tottenham. To be fair, exactly right, and he gets to stay in England. Because and he, and he'll break Shearer's record in a Newcastle shirt, which is a nice little side. It is, yeah. So, exactly. So that's why my point is: it's either Manchester United, and you're saying that it'll be it'll be this summer. I don't think it would be necessarily the door would be closed, but I take your point, right? Or Newcastle United, because it, because I don't see him going anywhere else. Or he resigns with the Spurs, which could happen. And yeah, that's the other side of it. If he wants to win trophies, he should go Real Madrid this summer. Absolutely, I think he and needs Levy, to go. And I think Levy will actually. I, actually, I do think Levy will sell him to Madrid. Levy will sell if him. they put in a decent offer because Real Madrid, he'd be shit, he would be shit scared of Harry Kane yeah. going to you to Manchester United or Newcastle next summer. Mm-hmm. He'd be shit scared of that. So Madrid. he will sell to Real Madrid this summer if an offer comes in that he wants, which will be somewhere around the 80, 90, 100 mark. Yeah. And so the thing is, if he wants to stay in England, really, it is staying at Spurs. Maybe going to Newcastle, but really, look, if it was me, if I was Harry Kane, I'd be off to Madrid. I agree with you. But maybe he values being a Tottenham player a lot higher than I would. Maybe. 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 But it's a fascinating it's a fascinating topic of discussion, and, and look where it took us, right? <laughs> <laughs> We've been talking about Harry Kane for about yeah. half an hour. <laughs> well, directly and indirectly, right? Because it yeah. to, hey, you know, which, where do... We see Spurs. Where do we see Newcastle United? Where do we see Brighton? Where do you, you know, for instance, where do you see Real Madrid now, right? Because Barcelona have got issues. When do they not? Well, that's true, right? But Barcelona have got issues. Ancelotti appears to have made up his mind and stay in Madrid, right? Benzema's gone. And now it's a good time to talk about your shiny new midfielder. 
Cool. He's about to be announced. Um, <laughs> Cruz and Modric are staying for one more season, right? They haven't been lured by the uh, specter of the Saudi Arabian League. Not without the want to trying. No, they have tried. There's been no doubt about yeah. that. They yeah. have tried, right? And it looks like that Jude Bellingham will be announced over the next uh, 24 to 48 hours. That's a massive deal. That is a huge deal. And, and it's 115 million pounds or so, provided all the add-ons come into effect, which they probably will. There's not like some crazy Ballon d'Or calls in there or something like that. It is realistic add-ons. The most expensive English player ever. And to be honest with you, Laz, for a 19-year-old who has a handful of England claps, scored at the World Cup, captain of Borussia Dortmund, I think it's fair market value. Look, it's probably even a touch over. Right, but not by much. I let's not get. Let's not get. So. No, nah, but let's not get ourselves. It isn't by much. It isn't by, a lot over by much. Right, it isn't. I say um, it's fair. Yeah, it, look, it, it is close to fair. It's probably about ten to fifteen over. Right, but when you're at that level, what does it matter? Right, I mean, you know, you're going to you, if you're offering 125 and they've said 140, you're going to go to the 140, aren't you? Yeah. Right. So, yeah, it's an incredible deal. It's an incredible transfer. Um, I like it. I do like it for Real Madrid. As you should. Yeah. Bellingham is an incredible player. And he showed his class in the, in the World Cup. He was England's best midfielder. He's in the conversation for best player. Well, yes, he is. Yeah, hard to disagree with you there too, right? <laughs> so where does that leave Chumini and Camavinga? I think in different positions. Camavinga has become a left back in, in a way. Yeah. Isn't right. Chilmany more a six now? Yeah, but look, I think yeah, he is. He is. Like if you were lining up Real Madrid, yeah, he is. He is. Yeah, you play. Yeah, I mean, because surely Cru- Bellingham starts. Yeah, look, I do, but I think Cruz actually then kind of comes into six as well because he actually kind of floats in between a six and yeah, an eight. He does right, and so like season after once they move on, yeah, like you'd have Chilmany in the six. Yeah, yeah, Bellingham, yeah, Bellingham yeah. on the left side yeah. playing as an eight, yeah. and what Valverde. It would have to be. It would have to be. You bring someone else in as well, or (laughs) this is Real Madrid we're talking about. Yeah, it's almost Galactico time again. It's not quite there, almost. But you know, if if Kane Kane goes, yeah, no. But if Kane (laughs) goes, well, then it is Galactico time, Mm. right? So it's incredible. And and look, I fancy, I fancy Real Madrid again next season for one of the big two. Because there's no way that they'll leave the La Liga that far apart this time around. And yeah, I think Barcelona not playing at the Camp Nou next season. Mm. And maybe they're disheartened by Messi not joining. I don't know if the players feel that or not. I, Re- I would suspect they don't. But... Restri- restrictions on transfers. Yep. And 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 player payments. They're Barcelona I, yeah. are in a world of pain. Really, Real Madrid should have won the league this season. Complacency. Complacency, maybe a bit of tiredness. Who knows? Like that, as the the period that cost Real Madrid the title in the Liga was straight after the World Cup. Mm. That month of January was just terrible for Real Madrid, and they were lucky to hang on to second at the end of it. They were, they were. But what a relegation! Simeone battle. almost got past yeah. you. I was going to say, what a relegation battle there in Spain. Oh, incredible! The last incredible. day, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely incredible. What a story for the Almeria. Incredible. Uh, Espanol, though. Mm. I was thinking of our friend Jason Cowlin, the pod's uh, friend Jason yep. Cowlin. Espanol being relegated. Too good, too big a club to be relegated. I mean, that obviously can happen, but you know that overall in all of Spanish football, 
Espanyol have the seventh most highest collation of La Liga points. So on the all-time ladder, Espanyol sits seventh, and they've just been relegated. Yeah. That's how big a club they are. I might be speaking out of turn here, but similar sort of feeling to Everton. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They are a significant historical club, but in a rough patch at the moment. And um, I would fancy them coming straight back up next season. Hmm. They want to. I know the top of the second division in Spain is very competitive. Just look at the title race for this season just gone. There's so many teams in the hunt. Um, But, yeah, I think they would come straight back up. Yeah, and we've got uh, Granada and uh, Las Palmas straight back in. Good to see Las Palmas Good to see Las Palmas back up. (laughs) saying the same thing. (laughs) No, you read – no, exactly. We said it. Yeah, it is. It is. It's great to see. It was probably a bit of a delay on your end, but on my end, we were just saying. Yeah, the we were saying. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. <laughs> it, it's it's it's, but it's true, right? It, it's, it is. It's, yeah, it's it is. great to see. Yeah, it it's is great to see. Great to see a team from the Canary Islands in the top flight, and combine that with uh, Mallorca as well. It's a it's a truly diverse league, La Liga. Indeed, indeed, it is. At least in where the teams come from. Shall we talk about one Lionel Messi? We shall. We shall. This is flowing quite nicely. Going from Ange to Harry Kane to Real Madrid for the relegation battle and now to Leo Messi. But I note that Lionel Messi signed for Inter Miami after Phil never got sacked. <laughs> Maybe that was the contingent for him going there. <laughs> yes, as uh, as we know, Phil Neville's had a couple of blow-ups in the past as Inter Miami mm. manager. I think that's fair to say. Yes, yes. They're bottom of the league, Les. Well, they were... I think they were 11th in the year the first season that he took over. Well, obviously, into Miami's first season. They finished sixth. And, yes, this current season, they're in stone motherless last at the uh, bottom of the Eastern Conference. Not good. That would have been an awkward conversation, David Beckham and Phil Neville. Because good mates, obviously. Business partners at Salford and Valencia. How do you think it would have gone? It's tough, isn't it? Mm. Like, Because, really... The results this season have been horrendous yeah. for Inter Miami. And it, the, he would just would have had to say, mate, results haven't been good enough. Let me do you a favor. Yeah. You look stressed. Yeah. Go home. And interesting to see who comes in in his place mm. and how much say Messi gets in that appointment. Captain actually. coach. Maybe. Captain <laughs> Maybe. coach. <laughs> Does he go out on the pitch with his corkboard and sort of direct his, uh, his central midfield or, or his winger, like where oh, he should be standing. Dear. No, I, I, <laughs> get, I don't, get the flip book out. I, I don't think you'll ever see that again, the captain <laughs> coach. But it's it's incredible. It's incredible to see. And the fact that he's chosen the MLS, right? I'm surprised. Oh, I'm not. I thought he was bound for Saudi. It did look like that that was going to be the case. but it's, A we, billion we did, dollars, Laz. But we did say it was like, oh, I know. But it's not the money. He's not short of a quid. So it's not that's not the worry. Right. But we did say that it would either be Saudi or MLS. We didn't think it would be Barcelona. No, I didn't think that. So it's too romantic and football that level is just not one for the romantic side of things. It just doesn't work out. And really, also if you're an ex player, particularly to the level of Messi at Barcelona, you don't go and reopen that chapter. Yeah. Yes, it ended sourly. Yes. I'm sure there's a wrong that he would want to right, ideally. But once you leave, I'm pretty sure I said that you don't go back. You don't reopen it. You don't try and fix things that have already happened. It's under the bridge. Move on. 
Scorched and earth policy. That's it. Oh, you're a tough man, Nathan Gould. How many times have we seen it when a player returns to his former club where he's done well at and it hasn't worked? How many times do we see it? Yeah, but listen, there are plenty of times where, you know, lovers return to ex-lovers, right? This looked like one of those scenarios. <laughs> you know, Ronaldo looked at Manchester United with sweet eyes and... Yeah, look how that turned and, out. And it bit him in, on the ass, right? So, Ditto Paul Pogba. Well, yeah. Well, yes. Okay. Maybe that's symptomatic of Manchester United than anything else. Well, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> that Look, Messi didn't have to worry about the Manchester United factor, right? He's got an emotional <laughs> attachment to Barcelona. He always has. But how about Paris Saint-Germain? Seriously, you supporters there. Have a look at yourselves. You've got the world's best player there. And be, a, be you a Messi fan or a Ronaldo fan. It's r- irrespective, right? Messi is an absolute star and you boo him. You know what? You don't deserve him. And you don't deserve any success that that he was trying to bring you, right? And that is going to be symptomatic, or sorry, that is going to be reflective rather of where PSG end up in terms of European Champions League competitions because they will never win it with that supporter base. They're too feral. They are. They are. And they're a joke of a club. You did. You have said that before. And I stand by it. It is a shambles of a football club. We were talking about previously about some of the best-run clubs around. PSG are up there with the worst. I don't understand it. Like, I don't understand signing, it. signing Messi, yeah, it makes for great metrics, and you have the world's best player, arguably the best player of all time on your books. So wow, how brilliant is that? But the, not only was there no consideration for how the team's going to play, when you combine him with Neymar and Mbappe, not the hardest working front three in world football. No, that's true. But also, you have... Supporters who don't appreciate him. Yeah, yeah. Some of which I feel a bit sorry for. I don't feel Those, sorry for any PSG supporters. I'm sorry. I they're feral. There's a small subsection who okay. Where in, club, in in the back corner? Could, yeah, in the, yeah, in, right in the back corner. They've been uh, neglected a little bit now, but those who were there pre Qatar, sure, okay. Their club has been transformed into this whatever you can call this now. Mm. Uh, I do feel a little bit sorry for them, but. PSG, you're right. They'll never win the Champions League. It looks like, well, Messi has gone. It looks like Neymar's going as well. If we speak in two years' time, Mbappe has probably left. One of the owners. Or part of um, Yeah, yes. Um, I don't think it matters if they get Nugglesman in. Nugglesman in for, for next season. Well, Jose He'll be out the door by Christmas. I was going to say, Jose was a red-hot favourite to take on the job. Oh, we'll come on to Jose later on. Mm, not good. Not good. No. Not good. And we've got plenty to say about Jose. Yeah. Okay. All right. But I have uh, a feeling you want to talk about something else before we get to Jose. I've got so many things. That, that, as we said at the top of the show, this is a, a big week for sport, a big week for football. So it's not There's up, so much to cover off. It's not an up late. It's an up all night. Yep. Here we and go. And it's up all day tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so you want to get into Saudi, eh? Let's talk about it. The sports because... administra- The sports administration capital of the world. <laughs> Time for us it's, to go uh, get a gig there, I think. Yep. <laughs> First, w- would you go if I would you a bag full of cash, lads? All jokes aside, I'd have to consider it, wouldn't you? You have to consider it. You have to. Considering what's happening there, especially overnight with regard to, I know it's not football, but um, live golf and the yeah, PGA. I, I mean, this discussion goes hand in hand. Yes. Apparently, the owners of Newcastle United had a hand in the mediating peace between the PGA and Live Golf. So you guys are to the, blame again. And, and the DP World Tour. 
So there's a connection between football and golf there. So there you go. Was Jason Tindall in that meeting as well? Thanks to Newcastle United. Front and centre. <laughs> but yes, Messi could have gone Saudi Arabia, knocked it back, a billion dollars he was offered. Uh, he hasn't rejected it based on ethics. Definitely not, because he has previously taken Saudi money to be an ambassador. The He's lure of back Miami. For yeah. Miami or being closer to home, closer to family. I was going yeah, to say... Amongst, amongst Spanish speakers as well would help. Yeah. I was going to say the lure of Miami, Spanish speakers, you know, bienvenido a Miami. As hard As it goes, to, yep. Yeah, hard for him to knock back. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, no Phil Neville in the way anymore. So uh, happy days. Um, but, yes. Just, just picture that for a second, though. Lionel Messi taking orders from <laughs> Phil Neville. It would have been so funny. I think. I'm disappointed that, we didn't get to see it for at least a month. Don't Don't forget that, you know, Messi was there when Gary Neville was caretaker manager of Valencia. Yeah. Yeah. And look, Phil Neville's a better coach than Gary Neville, clearly. Yes. And it was going south. So Yeah. Yeah. So um but yes, the money is uh fantastic for Benzema and who else? Angolo Kante is headed over there. And uh, there's a few others who I'm forgetting off the top of my head right now. Let's help me out. Oh well no no Angolo Angolo Kante is uh, a big one, right? That that is a big signing, with Benzema having gone as well. I know there are a few others in the works there, but I've actually, but just have a listen to this for a second, right? So it's been put that Messi, and I'm just bringing this up now. I'm just um, just give us give us a second here, whilst uh, my phone is playing up. But Messi's deal to get across to Miami is one that actually includes subscriptions from Apple TV. A percentage of subscriptions from Apple TV, and well, that's a hefty amount of money coming through because they're they're not cheap. No, and Adidas obviously kicking, you know, uh, doing something. But likewise, he's an Adidas athlete too. Correct, isn't he? Yeah, correct. And likewise, uh, MLS have obviously done something as well to uh, to kick in there because the marquee. I think you're allowed three players to be paid whatever it is they can be outside the salary cap. So, yeah, it's an incredible. Let's deal. not go down that rabbit hole of MLS designated players and all the concessions over there. There's that that's worth a podcast in and of itself. <laughs> but, might, might have to do that one day. <laughs> we, I, I, there's people that work in MLS at administrative level at clubs that don't understand how MLS works properly. I'm certain of it. Um, yeah, but I think I also saw Laz that he's offered the same deal that David Beckham was in the sense that he'll be able to make his own team. Did I read that somewhere? That's what I'm just that? trying to. I'm just trying to bring that up right now. But um, yeah, forgive me, Nathan. Uh, my Insta's gone haywire, unfortunately. I think it's I think it's time to get a new phone. <laughs> but um, just quietly. But yeah, uh, look, that you was the thing be, with David yeah, Beckham. Yeah, but correct. Part of the deal for him coming to LA Galaxy back in the day was that he could set up his own team, which is obviously now into Miami, and he makes a, a lot of money from the club. And yes, of course, he invests a lot of it back in. The new facility they're building looks fantastic. Even though it's only a 25,000-seat stadium, when that gets built in 2025, they'll be feeling that every week. Yeah, um, that's true. Yeah. There's so much money to be made from an MLS franchise. And if Leo Messi was able to set his own team up, then that's uh, a long-term benefit beyond the time that he'll spend as a player in the league, which is great for him. No, I agree with you there. I agree with you there. Yeah, I have just been trying to find... Um, some details that I did come across with regards to Messi's deal there, but 
unfortunately, just when you need it, your phone decides to fail on you and, hey, we'll just move on. But, yes. Tech, huh? Yeah, tech. What do you do? But if it wasn't for the wonderful world of tech, we wouldn't have a podcast. So, there you go. So, I'm grateful for that. That is true. And we wouldn't have any listeners either. Correct. So, there you go. (laughs) So, happy to take the good with the bad. But But talk uh, to me, Laz, about mm. this Saudi movement. Yes. Do you see it as a different kettle of fish to what we saw with China a few years ago, where the likes of Hulk and Oscar and a host of other players went over there from Europe to secure the bag, so to speak? Is it think, different this time around? I think this is different. Yeah? I, I think this is different. So, there is definitely a, f- a feel to it. Like we, we mentioned before that when you have 20 billion dollars fighting fund given to a league to go out and get the 50 best players in the world that you can. Uh, there's a lot of purpose behind what it is that they're doing. So, yeah, it's absolutely incredible. And all jacks aside, it does seem like it's the place that the leading sports administrators and sports marketers and football players are are going. Now, is it a granddad's league? I'm not too sure yet. But Ronaldo having gone is definitely a fillet for the Saudi league. And it's just the start. It is just the start because they're going to throw money at this thing and they are going to try and turn it into a very popular league. And and look, we have already seen without the likes of Ronaldo and Benzema going that the Saudi clubs are very good at the Asian Champions League. Yeah, they are. They are. But that's the one thing that will stop it from being a, a top five league is the access to the European Champions League. It's the same deal for the MLS and the 10-year deal for the broadcast rights in America and the Adidas deal and everything surrounding like that. The league is improving, but it will never be able to match La Liga, Bundesliga, Serie A, Liga and Premier League. It just won't because if you're someone who's 22 and good enough to play for Real Madrid, you're not going to go to Saudi Arabia instead. It just won't happen. You're right there, Nathan, but look, you did have the likes of Barcelona considering that, hey, if they were penalised by UEFA because of the so-called planning or bias of referees that they were complaining against and decided to pay the referees themselves. If you're, <laughs> if, if you're in a position where, you know, Barcelona thinking, hey, we'll actually apply to play, apply to play in the Asian Champions League because we're going to be banned by UEFA. Well... What does that tell you? My point there is is that you know, obviously it can't be that bad. Barcelona, the likes of Barcelona want to play in Eurasian Champions League. So how bad is it really? Lance, can you tell me can you tell me who won the Asian Champions League last season? Who Reds? The one before. That was the one that was in Vietnam though. Oh that was the hub one. That was a really funny one. I'd have to search in off the top of my head, I was gonna say Al Halal. I should think you're right. <laughs> There you go. See, which sort of throws my point. I out just, the I just, I just. Thank you. So I just needed to go back into the <laughs> into the catalog on my mind there because I remember that um, Sydney FC had gone over because of um, in yeah with the COVID hub that they that the ACL had created. Yeah, but yes. So your point was my point is that <laughs> it's the Asian Champions League is never going to be on the level pegging with the European version. It just isn't. No, I agree with you. And even but, still, the more money that Saudi Arabia pumps into their clubs, and be in mind that it is only four of the Saudi Arabian clubs, it's not the entire league, go and ask a uh, El Shabab fan what they make of all the money being invested. Yeah, but that's, Hang on. 
but they can avail themselves to those funds as well. No, but the point is, the more money that Saudi Arabia puts into their clubs, the less competitive the Asian Champions League is. Yeah, okay. I'll take your point Because there. the Saudi Arabian teams, assuming they're going to get better, which yeah. I don't think, as we speak right now, they're at the peak, obviously. Yes. They're going to improve still. They're going to blow away the rest of Asia quite easily. Well, that's what they want. The they Korean want teams the... are not going to be able to compete. The Japanese teams neither. Well, okay. But they want to blow away the rest of the world, let alone Asia. But you've got the likes of Barcelona who are pining to try and get an entry spot into the Champions League if the Asian Champions League, should UEFA ban them. It would never happen. It's Barcelona. It would never happen. It's Barcelona. It's also UEFA. Uh, it would never <laughs> well, happen. Well, no, no, no. This is the <laughs> AFC we're talking about, right? No, but like UEFA would have to kick him out for the, for that opportunity. Oh, sure, rise. yeah. No, that, that's and what UEFA would never so actually kick him out. Yeah, so they've done that as a contingency. Well, they could ban them. They might they ban them. They're not going to they, they could. They could ban them, right? And that's why, in the event that they're, you know, that they do become banned, that's where the contention was. Hey, or the contingency is rather, let's go to the AFC and see if they'll give us a special guest star <laughs> slot. <laughs> Bit like a straight Eurovision type deal. <laughs> Great analogy. <laughs> but Barcelona need a Champions League. They didn't say which one, which confederation, <laughs> but they need Champions League. Hey, maybe they can do a bit of a world tour and we, we see them against uh, Auckland City for an OFC title. Well, maybe, but, <laughs> you know, but uh, let's, let's let's say, you know, it'd be great to see Barcelona, you know, Barcelona at uh, Central Coast Mariners. <laughs> uh, yeah, that would be something. But even still, an A-League team would, won't be coming up against the, one of these Saudi teams. No, because they, well, yeah, because of the East Asian, West Asian. Yeah, it would only ever happen in the final. Yeah, and yeah correct. As much as I'd like to see it happen, I don't see it happening for a very long time. No, that's true. That's true. Very true. But why ruin the romance, Nathan? Why true. ruin the romance? Right? You've got to be in it to win it. Correct. Correct. <laughs> if you don't buy a ticket, you'll never win the raffle. So should we go on to Central Coast or do you want to just go on to other things as well, just randomly? Ah, I mean, I was trying oh, to find a segue. But well, you, we did say uh, Barcelona versus Central yep. Coast, yeah. So I don't, I don't quite understand how that's a Saudi Arabian segue to the A League, but <laughs> uh, look, we spoke about the, the Saudi dominance to the Asian Champions League. Central Coast Mariners would qualify for the Champions League now. Barcelona won in, right? Yeah, yeah, okay, there it is. All right, Central Coast Mariners six. I know it's Melbourne a very City it's, it's a very loose nexus, but it's worth it's one worth making, right? It is, it is. Because yeah. what an unbelievable result! Yeah. Because this madness is unscripted as well, of course. We just let the conversation oh, take us where it goes, and that's it. So That's yes. why when we're talking about Harry Kane transferring to Real Madrid, we're talking about Brighton and Villa. Yeah, <laughs> random shit. But it, it's just, you know, just two of us and, uh, you know, plenty of flies listening on the wall just having a coffee. I need another can of water, to be honest. <laughs> hey, they're our listeners, man. They call <laughs> they have to say that. But um, all jokes aside, yes, what a result. What a result. Look. Melbourne City were off on the night. You called it, to be fair. You did call it. And congratulations yep. to you. Well done. But I'm going to let the pro stop there because I don't want you to you know, get too far ahead of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, the game could have changed at 2-all, right? When Melbourne City had the chance to take the score to 2-all, mm. that was the turning point of the game. Yeah. That was the turning point of the game. The game, like, oof, that was such a critical moment, you know, Central Coast up 2-1, one, 
Melbourne City had a chance to make it to all. And if they took that chance, I think they would have ran away with it. But, geez, Central Coast, congratulations to them. What a good crowd. Well done. Well played. The football was pretty good. Right, Melbourne City were off. Imagine if they were on. Mm, yeah. What a game that would have been. And I'll tell you what, the quality from the Central Coast, in particular with a couple of those goals, sensational. Although I have a bone to pick with one of the penalties. I think oh, one, so do I. So I, do I think, I. you know, the officiating was pretty good, but that pen, like one of the two penalties was not a pen. I'm sorry. It was the too soft. penalty, yeah. absolutely not a penalty. Not a penalty. Not when you compare it to the Sevilla's penalty or the Sevilla. Roma had a shout, a legitimate shout for a penalty. I thought that was a pen, which we can get I to didn't think it was, later to be on. I thought it was. More so than Grealish. I'm going to upset you now. More so than Grealish. That's a pen. It can't, yeah, okay, according to the laws of the game as, a, as the rule is And that's all that matters. Now, yeah, but come on. The guy is like, where do you want his hand to be when he's jumping up with for a header? Well, save this talk for later. No, but no, seriously. Okay, that, uh, all right. Okay, I mean, I know, look, like, okay, look, we don't want to, yeah, let's get back to Central Coast. but We're jumping around a little yeah. bit. but No, I know just that because sum, it, just, one penalty yeah. has led to the other, right? Yeah, but and really, Coast, just, well to, just to summarise, really, there's two separate debates. It's whether something is or is not a handball and whether something should or should not be a handball. Okay. They're two separate questions. Let, let's talk about that in a minute. Let's talk about but that. It applies, right. no, it, it applies to this. It applies to this. Okay. The Central and Coast. Yeah. The Central Coast penalty. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. According to the rule book, it should not be a penalty because it looked like when I saw it that uh, the Mariners player, no, the Melbourne City player who went in and dived in. His arm was below his body. Of course it is. <laughs> and the balls hit the arm that's supporting the body. It, it shouldn't be a penalty. It shouldn't be a penalty. And his hand's in a natural position, right? Because it's under his body. Where do you want his hand to be? Behind his back. So the thing is, Chris Beef apparently said in his notes that he didn't think the arm that the ball struck was supporting his body. And well, he, he look, got if he wrong. doesn't believe it, then maybe that is a penalty. Yeah, okay, but he got it wrong. And look, referees right. will get things wrong, right? But VAR, what are you doing? Oh, yeah. I don't know what happened. I was expecting that to be called up. And you were at the game. I was at the game, and there was no mention of VAR at all the entire mm. night at all. Mm. There was nothing indicating a VAR check underway or mm. anything like that. Yeah. There was a long delay for the restart for every single goal that went in. They were just standing on the on the center circle for a, a solid minute every goal. Yeah, it's like, not good, is it? Oh, Get the game underway already. Get the game going. I know. I know. I get yeah. it. I mean, look, they've got to do the checks. I understand that. But uh, it's the way that the game is yeah. at the moment, unfortunately. But VAR should have actually pulled that up and said, hey, sorry, Chris, you got this one wrong. Everything else was okay. I don't have yeah. an issue. Yeah. I'm, I'm in the same boat. I'm in the exact same boat. Um, But, yeah, Melbourne City, they were off it. And, yes, maybe they got stiffed for the second penalty, but... Judging on how they turned up in the game, they were never going to come away with with the trophy at the end of it. And yes, the game should have been in Melbourne. No, yeah, but they could have, Nathan. Look, if I like, if that game had been a two all, had that had Melbourne City taken that chance, different ball game, different ball yeah, game. Sure. The momentum sure. would have shifted. Sure, right? Central Coast go up, penalty go. You know, they get awarded a penalty. Then, you know, shortly thereafter, another pen. Game over. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And. It was a couple of um, cherry on top goals at the end. Yeah. Oh, and look, amazing. Jason that fifth Cummings. goal. That fifth goal, though. Mm. That was the goal of the game. Yeah. The ball, Brilliant. the quality of the ball, right? Outside of the right foot and the header. Oh, just oh, ex- yeah. ex- amazing. amazing. Exquisite football. 
exquisite football. I liked uh, Sammy Silvera's goal as well. Yeah, no, that was a good goal. Yes. That was good. That was the goal of the game up until that one went in. Yeah. That you just referred to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Jason Cummings. Great performance. As Simon Hill referred to him as the uh, the, the cum dog millionaire. Yes, you know why though. <laughs> Absolutely, I know why. Yeah. And it's a shame well, that he'll be leaving the shores, but good luck to him. It is. Yeah, absolutely. What an 18 months he's yeah. had. Incredible. Comes out to Australia when his career's on the ropes, maybe his life's on the ropes as well, has a massive reset, plays for the Mariners, and goes to World Cup, scores a, a hat-trick in the final of the A-League, has the greatest goal-scoring season a Central Coast Mariner has ever had. Amazing. Mm. Amazing. And uh, and that is down to Graham Arnold. Yeah, and Nick Montgomery. Yeah. And what a coaching performance from mm. Nick Montgomery. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely and, brilliant. But it was down to Graham Arnold to identify that yeah. he was an Australian or eligible yeah. to play for yeah. Australia and they got him out here. No, incredible. Yeah. And as we said before, Mariners will be playing in the Champions League next season. Yeah. Alongside Melbourne City. And it'll be MacArthur in the AFC Cup, if I'm not mistaken. I believe so. Yeah, I believe so. Um, but yeah. Any more thoughts on the on the game last from Saturday uh, night? Look, uh, I thought that it presented well on on the TV, right on Paramount Plus and, and 10. So coverage appeared to be pretty good. Uh, the attendance was great. And congratulations to the Mariners. That's all that's left to, to be said. And I'm glad that this season is over for the Adelaide. It's been a long season. Yeah, I'm glad that this season is over. It's been a long season in, in a f- couple of ways. Yeah. But I think that they need a bit of a reset. And I'm glad that the Women's World Cup is here because it's going to provide them a bit of a distraction right now. They need to reset. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, should also mention the uh, the Friday night warm-up event that they had at Moore Park that had yeah. almost nobody there. Not great. No, terrible. But, look, lessons learned for next season. I don't know why that's, happens, that's happening on a Friday night, Les. I don't understand. Yeah, the game should be played on a Sunday afternoon, I Absolutely. Think, right? And I think that all NPL should be played on the Saturday if you're going to do, if you're going to do that so that you can get as many people – to get to the grand final as you can. Don't have NPL games played on the Sunday, right? Uh, I know that there's an issue between the men and the women's NPL and what have you, but get it all done. Play it all on a Saturday if you have to do something because you've got to try and give everyone the opportunity to go to the grand final that's involved with the football. Why schedule games on a – or, you know what, give the NPL the weekend off or the yeah, day off. do that. Do that. Get bums on seats at the grand final. It doesn't take much to actually get this right. And, uh, yeah, I, I was having a conversation with the football identity here today in Sydney, and who I won't name at this stage. But, um, you know, they're waiting on news from FA with regards to the NSD. And there's been nothing forthcoming since the, the 26 teams were announced. Oof. So what are we you doing here? You think there'd be regular updates. Well, correct, right? So – some, I just think there's a misalignment here with regards to the way that the game's being administered. And I don't want to be critical of the current administrators. They are football people. They're doing the best that they can. But there are obvious things that need to be done to try and get everyone on board and try and get them in the same direction. MPL should not be being played when the grand final is on, when the A-League grand final is on. Yes, they're two different competitions. Yes, you've got to play the games. I understand that. But... Give them the week off. Do schedule midweek games. Do something to try and get as many football family members 
to the grand final. For goodness sakes, it's not that hard. It is not that difficult. Why do we do this to ourselves? I do not understand it. Why is there a full round of MPL games on, right? MPL 1 and MPL 2 being played on the same night that the A-League grand final is being played. Can somebody explain that to me? No, I can't. I cannot explain it. And I agree with you that the A-League grand final should be on a Sunday. That would potentially open up a Saturday because Football New South Wales loves putting games on Saturday night. Even still, the game should have been maybe on Friday night. Give them the weekend off, whatever. But nobody seems to help each other and nobody seems to help themselves when it comes to... Well said. Well because said. there's, as you say, there's so many things that are so simple to get right. Nathan, this is for a no-brainer. For whatever reason, for whatever reason, it just doesn't happen. It's a no-brainer, right? Am I? Or are we missing something? I don't know. And, and maybe, I want the maybe there's something that yeah. those inside the the rooms at Football Australia and the APL get in that touch is not with public us. knowledge yeah. or whatever. But get, yeah, I want the listeners to get in touch with us if they can and tell us if we are missing something because we must be. Because I do not understand. I really don't. I it, it I know I'm going on about it, right? It's a bit of a rant, but it frustrates the shit out of me. I've got to say it. Yeah, I'm with you. Right? I don't want to talk about those things, but it's it's just mind-boggling. Anyway. Because A-League Grand Final weekend, right? If you must have MPL scheduled, put all the games on Friday night. Or do it, you know what? Do it earlier. Do, it, do earlier. it earlier. There's a way to work around it. Put the games on at like one o'clock or mm. Do something like that yep. so that you can get the seniors to go because they're the ones who are going to be paying, right? But make it actually give them a incentive to go to the game. Well, give them opportunity at the very least. Yeah. Well, that's right. But I'd rather actually give them an incentive. I don't know. Lower the price of the tickets. Do something. Say, guys, you know what? We want you guys to actually put your games on earlier. Get out to the game. $15 tickets or $20 tickets. Do something for goodness sakes. Right. What would have happened if that was an Adelaide versus Melbourne City? Oh, there'd be less than 5K there. Okay. So what does that tell you? Don't you have to well, try first and, and foremost get that the game shouldn't be played in Sydney. Guaranteed. Yeah, sure. Right. <laughs> but don't you have to try and do something to get bums on seats? Or am, yeah. I, missing, or am I missing something completely? No, you're right. And look, after the event, I, I drafted up what I would do, how I'd schedule the weekend. And there's a couple of points that we'll talk, we can talk about after. But generally sure. speaking, everything that happened on the Friday night, because that event turned out to be a disaster. Yes, there's lots of learning curves, but if you're a Melbourne City supporter or a Central Coast Mariner supporter, you're not going to go to that event on a Friday night. Okay, not because yeah. you're not because you're unwilling, just you're unable to because people will be coming up from Melbourne that would have been working on the Friday. Well said. Not possible. Not possible. Same thing for those driving down the coast. You want people to drive down from Gosford at 5 p.m. to go to this event at Moore Park at 7. That's not going to happen. Do you know it's it was not going to happen? Did you know it was on? I knew it was on. Okay, I didn't. That's part of the problem as well. Communicate. One hundred and ten percent. But that event know. should be yeah. that event should be Saturday afternoon because by that time you'll have plenty of supporters around Parramatta or whatever suburb it's going to be. Parramatta, Homebush, or Moore Park. You're going to have lots of people in the area, right? Saturday night, right? When I went to the game, they had a little part of the pre-match build-up where they highlighted Nikolai Topol-Stanley and Alex Wilkinson amongst some of the other players that are retiring or achieve milestones. That's not enough. Give them a testimonial on the Saturday night. Why can't we do a testimonial? Donate mm. all the money to charity. Let the players pick which one. Do mm. a couple, sure. Make it a proper football weekend. Saturday afternoon, you have this warm-up event. 
Saturday night, you have a testimonial. Early Sunday afternoon, you have the grand final itself. Give people a chance to go back home, whether it is interstate or a drive up the coast. And then for the winning team, do a little after party. Well said. And if you're going to do no it, No NPL June, that weekend. And and why not do it on the June long weekend? Yeah. The only state that's not got a long weekend in June is WA, if I'm not mistaken. I think. I'm so not one, sure. Yeah. So yeah. I, it's only, I think it's only WA that doesn't have a long weekend in the June long weekend. So why not actually schedule it for the June long weekend if you're going to do it? So the thing is, next season, I think the football calendar is going to be shifted forward. So, month. okay. So the so, final will be in May. Mm, sure. Okay. But right now, you and they want to bring an All Stars game. I take, I take the A League's point, right, or APL's point with regards to the All Star game and trying to get Bayern out here. Bayern, as it turns out, wouldn't have been able to come out anyway that weekend because that was the last weekend of the Bundesliga, right? The weekend before. So. You know, unless you play like, the All-Stars game the night before. I don't know. You know, it's supposed to be a week of football. I want to see the proof of the pudding next week, next year. I can't ever see a week of football celebration getting off the ground. Well, let's wait and see what, what they come up with next year. But It the, should be you, a I, Saturday and Sunday event. It should be. I agree with you. You have early Sundays, pre-celebration, get the players. Let's imagine it's at Combank Stadium again next season, right? Book out Parramatta Park the Saturday and the Sunday. Yeah, I agree with get you. Get the players out there. Get the trophy out there, kick about five side street food, whatever. Everything that you had Friday night this year, do it Saturday afternoon. I, I agree. Saturday night, have a testimonial, get some, get another team out. Be in mind, if the final is going to be in May next season, you're not going to get a European team out because they're still going to be in season. Only if it's the end of May, and, and the only way it would be it would be Champions League competing, yeah, you know, Champions League final teams that wouldn't be able to come out, right? So go back to. You know, nearly just over 12 months ago when Barcelona came out, they weren't competing in the final of the Champions League. The Spanish season had finished the weekend before. They came out a few days later, played, and then left. But even still, that game is a nothing game. It's postseason. They're even less intense than a preseason friendly. It's a money spinner. That's all it is. It, but and that's, what, they're, that's why they're doing it. Though. I think, like, it's not even, I believe it to be, maybe I'm wrong, it's not an APL desire. It's a part of the deal with Tourism New South Wales. No, I think it's an APL desire. I think it's part of the deal to host the grand final in Sydney, bring us an way. event that can drag out some international mm-hmm. or interstate uh, supporters that aren't fans of the clubs. Either way, is it a bad thing? Inherently, no, it's not a bad thing. There we go. But does it add a lot of value? Not a hell of a lot. But look, Garen Quall got picked up because of that game. Oh, sure. It's great for the players involved. No, that's fair enough. That's good. Sure. That's a good. That's a good enough reason. For me. And yeah, maybe, maybe it is. Maybe it is. But if you're a supporter going to one of those games, as a neutral, assuming it's not your favourite European team coming out, I don't know if it you, would gather a lot of support. You're going for the event rather than... To is s- there enough people who go out for the event? If the draw is big enough, yes. And does it detract from the A-League Grand Final? Say you have Real Madrid, Barcelona, Manchester United, whoever. Possibly. It Possibly. Possibly it could, but... I don't know. Look, I'd like to actually see that in practice again next year, and then we can make a call on it. I think that's the way to go. This year sure. was a fun. This year was a funny year, and it I'm, was. It, it was. It wasn't COVID affected as much. And sorry, it wasn't COVID affected as much as what obviously at all, right? Uh, compared to the previous season. So, but you did have the World Cup in the middle, and you did have you know league schedules around the world being thrown a little, right? So. Yeah, I, I, 
just want to see how it plays out this time next year, and let's see what happens. I can't imagine a two-weekend event working. Wasn't the – am I mistaken in thinking that the W – like the A-League women's was supposed to be part of the week as well? Like was it supposed to be like over two weekends or three weekends? or Cool. Well, I have the feeling that it was three weekends consecutive. So A-League women's grand final, all-star weekend, then the A-League men's. Or the timelines are so far out of date, out of whack with that. Mm. But the A-League women's grand final was not three weeks ago, two weeks no. ago. No, that's right. It was it was much much before that. So unless you're going to really bring the windows together, then maybe. But we saw it this season when you have a week off and Melbourne City, Central Coast Mariners don't play any games, the intensity drops, but also the interest drops. Yeah. Finals football, it's a great thing to have, but you need the momentum that goes with it. And pausing the final series after the semis to have a week off, in this instance where there was nothing, but even if there was an All-Stars game versus a European side, it still derails the momentum of the finals. It just takes too much away from it, in my view. Yeah, I agree. I think what they need to do is put the the All-Stars the day before or something like that during the week in the lead-up to and not include the grand final teams, players, and that's it. I think that's the best way to go. Yeah, I think so as well. So, yeah. Do it the night before. As I said just before, involve some retiring players. Like give Alex Wilkinson a proper send off rather mm-hmm. than a let's hear it for Alex Wilkinson an hour before kickoff. And it's it did it even make the TV coverage? I didn't see it. But I didn't I didn't see it. I only watched the game itself. So yeah. But just on that, like and to Topol Stanley and Alex Wilkinson, legends of the A League, mm-hmm. they should be getting a good send off. I agree with you. Be it a testimonial game. Yeah. Why can't we do that? Bring out a big side, mm-hmm. put them in the team, or let them pick the team. Sure, whatever, however they want to do it, and make a real event out of it and have it the night before. And then when you have a big game like that and the other grand final on the same weekend, I can see how that starts to become a real football festival. And if that is what they go for, you would maybe get some people traveling into state to come and see it. Mm. Agree with you there, Nathan. Well said. No, well said. Look, I can't argue with you there. So there you go. So, Nathan, you want to talk about the Socceroos and Young Socceroos? Yes, we shall. And before we get into uh, what's going up this week, I uh, should congratulate um, Nectar Triantis for getting his move to uh, Sunderland. Yeah, he's a good kid, Nectar. He'll be uh, in, the, in the mix for a first-team spot before too long. Yeah, that's a that's good for kid. Sure. Yeah. And, and uh, Sunderland, as, as much as your colours are, won't like to admit it, but they are a good club for uh, developing young talent. No, they are. They are. Look, uh, you know, best of luck to him. Great move, good to see, good family. So hopefully uh, all goes well for him. And yeah, no, couldn't agree with you more there. But let's, let's talk about the national teams. The Socceroos are in action, uh, what is it, next week against Argentina. But that's not the only international football for Australia in uh, this fortnight period because uh, did you catch the game against Qatar for the under-23s? I did, I did. What did you make of it all? Look, the result, I think, was good. Albeit a little bit unfair, I'd say. Yeah. We should have won the game. Yeah. I thought it was a look. Yes, they should have. But I think this is the uh, the first time under the new coach as well, to be fair. Mm. I, I, like I said, I, I don't want to take too much away from it. I, I thought it was okay. I thought it was reasonable. But you've obviously got something that you'd like to say about it. <laughs> no, but just, just generally speaking about it, like it's a game that we should have won. And 
yeah, to okay. not win the game and to then lose it on penalty shootout. Yeah. Where you get another point. It's a different sort of format for this tournament. Sure. So the Socceroos come away with one point and Qatar get two That's points. Right. Yeah, young Socceroos, yeah. Mm. being on the on the receiving end of a, a good performance from Australia for most of the game, it's a little bit disheartening and it puts a, little, a lot of pressure on the games against Mexico and this uh, Mediterranean team that's on tomorrow night. Look, I think there's a bit to take away from it. I mean, it is just a glorified friendly tournament. Let's just... <laughs> oh, it is. It okay, is. right. So... It's, it's not serious, obviously. And it's our first... And it's our first shot at it it is a it does have some prestige to it it's played every year i i, don't, I didn't mind it I, and look i think it's we're, we're there to learn from this from this tournament right i think it'll hold them in good stead for when the qualifiers come around that's what you want and, yeah, and look they're not and they're not far away no they're not and <laughs> they're yeah, only around it, the corner it is i think uh camp Pupion had a good game yes yeah yeah Brent yeah. wall was good off the bench he should probably should have started to be honest mm-hmm um and yeah, there were good performances around. It's just a shame. It, it, essentially, it, it was a strong side, though. I have to say, I, I did like yeah. the side on paper. I thought it was pretty good. Mm, yeah, and look, this is a as as far as an under twenty three tournament goes. This is one of the more prestigious ones. Formerly known as a Toulon tournament, some might know. Yeah, that's now right. It's a Tournoi Maurice Ravello. Correct. And there's good teams in this tournament, and really. It is an indicator for going to the next level, as much as the under twenty World Cup is. It's in that same sort of vein. Well, and let's not forget the Olympics are only a year away. Yeah, you know, so qualify for that, and and let's just wait and see what happens. But yeah, I'm hopeful that um, this tournament will serve. You know, will put the team in good stead. Yeah, and it is tough to get out of the group as well for this tournament. You have to finish. Was it first? And there's only first, one best yeah. second. Correct. That goes through as well. So. Mm. It's an uphill battle to qualify from here, but, but it can, as, it's possible. As, as we said, it's possible. of course it's possible. Of yeah. course it is. Um, but yeah, results aren't everything when it comes to these age tournaments, of course. Yeah. Um, but there is another age. Uh, to- there is another age tournament which we need to talk about. But obviously, you want to talk about the soccer rules first. No, no. I was I was no. moving on to this as well. You took the words oh, out of you? my mouth. Did yep. you? Which one? Though, the under eighteen. No, the I wasn't going to. I wasn't going to talk about that. But let's let's talk about the under 18s then. Sure. Uh, they're over in Portugal at the moment. And they're going to take on the uh, under-18 side from Portugal, England, and Norway over the course of the next week. True. Uh, three games in six days. And, yeah, another opportunity for Australian football to uh, prove themselves on the world stage once more. It, it's good to see our uh, our teams getting this kind of exposure. I mean, we had the girls uh, over in Vietnam as well. Mm, so, yeah. yeah. So, which is... Uh, A couple of great goals good. I saw this yes. week. Yes. Yeah. So, it's good to see the the national teams... Um, at those age groups, respectively, getting the kind of experience that they are getting. So credit to Football Australia there. Yeah, and credit to the uh, organisers as well for sending us out the invite, I suppose. As well, yeah. Um, but yeah, go on, Les. You had an, another age tournament to talk about. The World, the Under-20s World Cup. Surprise packet so far. Mm. I must say, I haven't really been following this super closely. So what's been happening? Israel-Uruguay is being played. Uh, I've just trying to check the time here, actually, whilst uh, I'm uh, bringing that up. But, um, yeah, it looks like that uh, – here we go. Got it. So, semifinals, Uruguay-Israel, 3.30 in the morning. So, Israel have been on a bit of a run where they knocked over Brazil after extra time, 3-2. Oh, really? Jeez. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So – What's happened there? Yeah, well, 
and Colombia uh, were taken care of by Italy. So Uruguay knocked over the USA, who had mentioned in the previous pod in the quarter, you know, they had uh, accounted for New Zealand. But um, Italy had uh, gotten through England and then played uh, Colombia. So now you have, they're at the semifinal stage now, and tomorrow morning at our time, you have Uruguay versus Israel, and this tournament is being played in Argentina, and Israel were the contentious team because uh, that's why uh, the tournament was moved from Indonesia to Argentina. So it's yes, good of course. To, yeah, so it's good to see Israel reach the semifinal. And the Italians are playing South Korea. That's amazing. And South Korea have been... the AFC. Yep, yep. And, and uh, Nigeria had beaten the hosts, but uh, South Korea took care of Nigeria in the quarterfinal after extra time. So it's it's been really good to see. You know, it's been really good to see. Yeah, fantastic. And look, the stars, or well, some of the stars anyway, aren't at this tournament. They didn't get released by their clubs, but it looks as though there's still some great games and uh, some big stories. Israel getting through to the semi, mm. same as Korea. Yeah, and I think you can wouldn't actually... Wouldn't have fancied that coming into the tournament. No, that's true. That's true. And I think you can stream it on FIFA, FIFA Plus, with their streaming platform. Fantastic. That's how uh, I've been keeping in touch with it. But what are those games on, Lars? The semis? 3.30 um, tomorrow morning, Sydney time. So I think by the time this episode comes out, we'll know who the finalists are. But um, yeah, it'll be... And I think the final's on Monday morning, our time. So yeah, but... Um, yeah, it looks like uh, 3.30 tomorrow morning Sydney time and 7 a.m. Sydney time. So, yeah, but uh, bear in mind, yeah, bear in mind, bear in mind the final will be early next week, Monday morning, I believe. Yeah. Speaking of finals, Les, shall we go back to Europe? Absolutely, sure. Where do you want to go? And let's do the most recent tournament first. Oh, West Ham, Fiorentina. I, I, I wanted to go to the FA Cup final. Oh, what happened there? Oh, uh, unbeknownst to me. FA Cup final? What FA Cup final? Of course it is. Of course it is. The only chance that Man- Manchester United had was because of a dubious penalty at best. Uh, it was a penalty. How good was Gundogan's first goal, though? I know you don't uh, want to talk about it, but you must have uh, thought. Do we have to? The game's, have kicked, to? the game's kicked off. Well, you've put through. You've put me through enough sufferings tonight, so yes, let's... True. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. Uh, how, how about... Uh, how about we talk about Gundogan's? I mean, Gundogan's performance, he, he's got a knack of popping up in these big games, right? It's been incredible for Manchester City. I can't believe he's going to potentially leave the club, right? Uh, yeah. Looks but like he's going to Italy. unfathomable. Looks like he's going but, to Italy. Yeah, that right? he's been allowed to leave. Oof. The last, what, three months, he has been City's best player. On fire. But the quality of that first goal, my Lord, within the first minute, you must have just had your head in your hands. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Head you would thought, I'm going to bed. <laughs> oh, coupled with uh, having uh, some internet problems at uh, at our place over the weekend, and I'll stream it off my phone. Um, Ouch. Yeah, phone almost went flying across the window. Um, I'm sure it across did. The room. I'm yep. sure it did. <laughs> uh, met with a, uh, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Um, Why do I do this real. to myself? Why did I get up yep. to watch this? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Because we only just on. got home. Yeah, yeah. I was going to uh, say. From the yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was an and, early uh, kickoff this year. It was. And really, if the A-League finally go into extra time of penalties, then I would have missed the start of the game and I would have missed the goal and I would have saved myself the pain. <laughs> you would have missed the highlight of the game. 
not from my end. There was a different highlight of the game that was my personal highlight. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. No, I know. I understand. Yes, what? The penalty, please. Yeah, <laughs> because that's all there was. Oh, <laughs> uh, dear. Oh, dear. No, but, like, of course I see it from a United perspective, like how much space he's in. Why is he in that much space 13 seconds into the game? Sure. But, look, it's a great goal. All just it's a fantastic him. goal. It was a brilliant yeah. goal. It was a brilliant goal. Oh, you know. But, yeah, okay. We've we've had our fun. Let's go. Let's talk about West Ham and uh, forever blowing bubbles and well-deserved. Yeah, I actually, absolutely. What, what did you think of the game this morning? I actually thought it was pretty good. First it half was, was tense, but it was good. Yeah. I think it's indicative of the first few seasons of this competition. Across the years so far, you've got different teams winning the trophies. Like Jose winning it last year with Roma was fantastic. And West Ham winning it this year, brilliant. First major trophy for 43 years. The game was like the other European finals. It wasn't treated like a Mickey Mouse competition or anything. Mm. And what a moment for Jared Bowen. Yeah. Yeah, he's had a tough season. Yeah, he's had a tough season. But yeah, everyone has a West Ham. Packet does ball. Packet does ball was brilliant. Yeah. And I saw some stats afterwards that West Ham won more games in the Conference League than the Premier League this season. Admittedly, it's not that hard to do. True. Look, I mean, <laughs> look, it, it, I mean, we're deriding the competition. We shouldn't be, right? Because oh, I'm not deriding the competition at and, all. I, and I don't accept the argument that this is a Mickey Mouse competition. UEFA has historically had three competitions before. Yeah. Right. So when I started following football many, many years ago, as you would say, many, many, many years ago. Fuck off. Now, <laughs> there's no need for that, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but in the mid-80s, right, or early 80s, I should say, but uh, when SBS was covering it, you would have the Cup Winners' Cup, the UEFA Cup, and the Champions' Cup, right, the European Champions' Cup. So there's been three trophies in this. So I don't understand why the Conference League, because of what, they don't like the name, the Conference League? Is that why we've got the shits about it? Or is that being derided? There's nothing to be upset about. I think it's great. And, oh, it's some, and, what, like, and it's provided some good football. It has. I'm right behind the competition. I love it. But it is different teams getting their chance to shine because, look, some teams will throw it away, like Spurs did. They effectively forfeited the competition when they were in it, and some teams will do that. But when you have teams that take it seriously, they're the ones who will get to the latter stages. And if you haven't seen a list of the trophy this morning, then it would have been equally as brilliant. But... Because, as I say, West Ham, their first major trophy in 43 years, they don't care that it's the third tier of European football at all. And David Moyes doesn't care. Oh, I'm so happy and for Moyes. And nor should he. I'm so happy for Moyes. Moyes. I wonder what and... that guy thinks of uh, of Moyes now from Manchester United. <laughs> David Moyes has done brilliantly to uh, uh, resurrect his career. Good luck to him. And, look, good on... Um, David Sullivan as well for sticking by him when there was a lot of pressure on Moyes a few months back to Agree. say. Agree. And they've seen I, the fruits of that. I'd heard that uh, the Fulham game was the crunching one. If the result had not gone the way for West Ham, Sullivan Village was already in position to take over. Oh, yeah, ruthless, isn't it? I mean, not only is it ruthless, but to sack Moyes to get Sullivan Village back is not great. In terms of succession planning. Yeah. No. I'll take your point, but a manager who had already been there didn't do a whole lot and not done a lot since either. Slav and Billy Shea makes for a great studio pundit, but 
is it's a little bit to bet aside. That is speaking of um, pundits. Have you seen Henri is reluctant to take on a coaching job because he loves his punditry job too much? <laughs> they do a great job on CBS. I wish we actually had that here. Yeah, re- you know that would be awesome, right? But look, fair play. We see to, the clips going around. Fair yeah. play to, to Rushton, to Max Rushton, and Foz and Boz. They do a hell of a job uh, on Stan Sport with regards to the Champions League and the Europa League and Conference League. So they do, yeah, do a really good job. Sure, absolutely. But uh, I do love seeing the little the grabs that go around of Henri Carragher and Mika Richards. Yeah, it makes for great content. Kate Abzo's a great host. Yeah, absolutely. So and um, yeah, is Thierry Henry hesitant because he wants to take Michael Richards and Jamie Carragher with him? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know about that. But um, yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what we'll see what happens there. Uh, I actually thought Henry would be in in prime position to take over the uh, US national men's team because that's been floated for a long time. But um, yeah, well, yeah, watch the space. Watch this space. Mm. So, which Absolutely. other which so which other European final did you want to talk about? Did you want to do a preview or a review? A review. Let's a go review. with a definitely review. a review. I can, see, I can see you chomping at the bit. All right, let's get stuck in the Joe Day. He deserves, he deserves it. it. He deserves he it. He absolutely deserves it. He deserves it. But because look, Roma were dreadful on the night. Yes, they were. They deserved a penalty. That was a pen. I'm sorry. It wasn't. It wasn't. No, I disagree with you there. Look, it's it's a maybe pen. it maybe it should be a penalty. It should have been. It's I a know. different debate. Yeah. yeah. It's a different yes. debate. You're right. Tech- yeah. Letter okay. of the law, it's not a penalty. Okay. Your mate Gary Lineker has it on good authority, apparently, that the handball law is changing this summer. Cool. I hope yeah. it does. Well, because I, things I, like I, that should be penalties. I hope they get it right, and that should be a penalty. But the fact of the matter is, the rules for this season, that is not a handball. So was Anthony Taylor a fucking disgrace as uh, Jose? No, he wasn't. To quote, to quote Jose, I don't think he was. No, he got all the big calls right, Anthony Taylor. I tell you who is a disgrace though. I think UEFA in that aspect. Why why would you let and look, the Roma fans are a disgrace as well, but why would you let your officials just go through the airport, any airport, right? Through normal means and not be treated not have VIP security. You know that football is volatile, football people are volatile. Or Pay enough so that the guy can actually stay in in uh, Budapest for another day, right? Yeah. Do something. You know, okay, if you've invited his family, if you – why are you letting him take normal commercial travel and to go ridiculous. through the airport the way that he did? Ab- absolutely ridiculous. This All this stuff is foreseeable. Are we the only ones who, who can see it? <laughs> are we? I don't know. Surely not, but maybe. But seriously, like, you know, I'm sure that Alexander Seferin would have actually been on a chartered jet, like a VIP, you know, a VIP jet on his own plane. Yes. Seferin's right. not getting the economy, is he? <laughs> well, I'm sure that he actually got, a, you know, a jet. Mm. Okay. So why not do that with key staff? And I would have thought that match officials are considered key staff. And I think it's pretty easy to uh, draw that officials can cause controversy, controversy, whether it is rightful or not. Security officials are always going to be on the receiving end of abuse. Security is a matter of course. Yeah. That's what these officials, you know, should be subject to is security and have security with them and around them, not be left, you know, to 
you know, to their own devices in a normal airport terminal, which is bad enough, let alone with irate football supporters. For goodness sakes, come on. It's as bad as the uh, debacle in Paris last year. Yeah, it is. Against Liverpool supporters. A bit of a pattern forming here. Mm. UEFA, someone is dropping the ball in UEFA and it's not good. It's not good at all. Something like what we saw at the airport was going to happen sooner or later. And it's horrible that it has happened. Correct. But allowing him to mix in with supporters who are obviously angry and no matter what happened in the game, the team on the losing side, they're always going to be have some issue with the referee. Yeah. It's just, it's just crazy. And look, Jose has to cop a lot of the stick. We'll, we'll get to Jose in a minute. One thing that should be mentioned from this morning as well, West Ham supporters need to pull their heads in too. Oh, yes. Yes, that we need to the, mention that. That was disgraceful. I'm sorry. I didn't see any Fiorentina fans throwing plastic cups and and other items to cause mm. a, a gash like that on the uh, Fiorentina captain's head. No excuse for it. I'm sorry. Right? And this uh, things like that ensure that, al- that alcohol won't be served at Premier League grounds or English football grounds to the outer. Right? It's that I'm simple. surprised the game wasn't suspended or... I, I, I thought it was going to be, you know, at one point. I thought it was going to be. I thought it was the referee was going to pull them off. I think if the Fiorentina player made more of it, had a big like, reaction, then maybe that would have tipped the referee over the edge to make that call. But the fact that he sort of applauded sarcastically and took it in his stride and credit to him for doing that. He tried to defuse the that, situation, right? Yeah, he did. There was no situation there to defuse, really. He tried to engage with the crowd and some moron. Seriously, who are you heading? It, it was a whole host of them. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, that, you're right there, Nathan. And look, this is where the problem is, right? And, and that's why you're not going to get alcohol served at English Premier League grounds, right? It, it, you know, to the stands, and that you have to be out of sight of the football pitch to be mm. served alcohol. Because that's the case now. That is the yeah. case now, right? And yeah. it'll, and it will continue to remain the case, right? So the next will... step will be to mimic what the Spanish do. And just no alcohol in the stadium at all. Correct. Correct. And you don't need I mean, look, is it needed? Not really. Right. But oh, I don't mind myself. I don't mind having a beer at, at the game when I'm there. You know, but I'm not going to be a dickhead and throw the, the plastic cup over there or anything else for that matter. Right. I was surprised. I, I was really surprised. I thought that English supporters were better than that. Mm. And no, well, I thought that they've actually matured and actually grown and, and you know, but I mean, we saw when I saw that with West Ham against Alec Mar in the semi. Yeah, when I saw that, no need for it. And West Ham supporters need to pull their heads and enjoy your celebration, right? But you guys need to really have a look at yourselves because that's unacceptable, especially on that stage when the world's watching and basically the football world was watching because there's no other football on right now, or very little, aside from that's Asia. <laughs> you know, aside from Asia yeah. and, and people waiting for the women's World Cup. Mm. And uh, yeah. As an aside note, we can uh, throw in that Manchester United supporter who wore a um, controversial oh, shirt. Oh, jeez. I didn't. Yeah. Oh, I forgot. Yeah. yeah. I mean, whilst we're now on that you topic, mentioned it, Now that you mentioned it, right, that individual, I, I believe, has been banned now for, for life. Yeah, he has. Well deserved. And he's been charged as well. And he, so he should. Yeah. So he should because that shirt is unacceptable. For context, he wore a shirt with the number 97 on the back and the words, not enough. Referring to those who lost their lives in the hills, and who printed and who actually put that on the shirt? Because it's in the Premier yeah. League, right? You got to go to a store to actually get that done. Yeah, it's probably a third-party shop. 
that either didn't know or was sold a lie or like some other cover uh, story maybe or something. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe, but I don't know how. May have bought it from overseas, you know, just thinking it was a joke or something. Oh, that's maybe a, got it from uh, one of the famous Chinese fake shops. That's a disgrace. Maybe. Maybe. It is. It maybe. Is. And I'm glad uh, you called uh, that out. I'm glad you called that out yeah. because that's it's unacceptable. It is. And it wasn't on my list, but uh, just talking about fan behavior, it mm. uh, triggered triggered the memory. Hang on. Uh, you have a list? <laughs> that's how the bag. I, I just said that <laughs> this show's unscripted. And now you're <laughs> telling me that you, you, you know, you're making me look bad here, Nathan. What are you talking about? <laughs> that's why I say you're the professional one because you have the list. I got a couple well, of top points. That's about it. I don't see the list, but that's all right. <laughs> couple so, of top points. That's, so that's, the, that's the be all and all of it. What, what else is on your list? Have we covered Jose enough or do you want to keep going? No, we have not covered Jose no. at all. All right, let's keep going. Because getting my wife, back to it. Uh, my wife's going to be upset, but that's all right. <laughs> Keeping you up all night. That's right. We haven't no, 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 no. Not because of that. Not because of that. Because uh, she loves Jose from all or nothing. Right. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. That, and, uh, well, he, he endears himself when it he comes did. to that. He did. He did. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Ninety minutes. You have to be. That's right. Hunts. Yes, that's right. Hunts. But really, we can like Jose when he's in that sort of form. We can appreciate what he's done in the game, what he does in the media, yada yada yada. But when it goes wrong, as it has done over the last couple of years at different moments. It gets to the point where it is too far, it is uncalled for, yeah, and it is dangerous. He went too far. What we saw between the Roma supporters, Nancy Taylor and his family at the weekend, was off the back of Jose's actions, both on the sideline yeah. and at the uh, at the coach terminal. Yeah, look, the coach terminal. Forget the sideline. The sideline happens. All right, he's been sent off more than any other manager. I get it. Okay, right, but it's why. Yes, part of the theatre, part of why people. Love him, right? I get it. But what happened afterwards, where he goes after him in the car park, that's unacceptable. Or right. a correct decision, mind you. Yeah, yeah, sure. Sure, sure. Uh, look, okay. It shouldn't happen when the referee made the wrong decision. Okay, that's but right. the fact that I, I, Taylor I was, made the right call makes it even worse. Irrespective of that, right? Yeah, I was going to say, regardless of that, you're right. But regardless, whether it's right or wrong, the decision is right or wrong, you shouldn't be doing that anyway. You should be accepting that this is what happened, the game's over. Nothing he can do to change that. Going out in the car park after the fact is not going to bring back the decision. They're not going to say, shit, I got it wrong. Let's go out and go get everyone. Let's go out on the pitch and replay the game from the night, you know, from that point on. It's not mm. going to happen. So just let it go, right? You're not doing yourself any favors. You're not doing him any favors. You're not doing your club any favors. But what he should do is get reprimanded for this heavily, right? And UEFA should insist that he should be banned in the next competitive games available, which is the Italian league, right? He should be banned for two months, not allowed football contact. He shouldn't be allowed anywhere near the training pitch or anywhere near the bench, anywhere near a ground. He can hide in a laundry basket for all I care, like he did with Chelsea, right? <laughs> Fuck that. No, nowhere near it. Done. Sorry, Jose. Love you, but no, you can't do that. And what they should make him do is do a PA announcement or public service, PSA, whatever you want to call it, public service announcement saying that report, that referees deserve the support of the community and that he was mistaken and that he shouldn't have acted that way. He should also apologize to Anton Taylor. I think you will find that he would. 
I think he would have done that in per- like privately. Uh, like maybe not as yet, but he will in due course. That, that should so. happen. I would hope so, right? And look, he, away from the heat of you know from football, I'm sure he you know he's a nice guy. He's affable. He's you know people like him. And from all by all accounts, he does that, right? He went way too far the other night, and um, the only way to bring him into account is get him to miss two months of football from the sideline and from coaching. You've got to ban him. You've got to and come down on these guys and make him do a public service announcement, supporting referees, and show that to grassroots football in Italy and, and all over the world. Can't be done. Can't be done. He's got to come out and support referees. You're a, you're a role model, like, not a role model, but you're a leader. No, he is. No, he is a role model. Not a, no, he's a leader within the game, right? He needs to actually, uh, being a coach or a manager at that level, you're a leader. You're a leader of men. You're a leader of a team. You're a leader of a club. The club adheres to the rules of the game and the laws of the game. You need to be punished and you need to come out and actually support referees. So we can actually get people to referee the game because without referees, you don't have a game. It's that simple at any level. And it's got to start from the grassroots up. The professional game needs to come out. Like members in the professional game need to talk at this level and that's it. Because also calling out referees is actually counterintuitive because like, if you hound a referee out of the game, right, Anthony Taylor is a referee good enough to referee a European final, right? He's in the top echelon of referees available in Europe. You had him out of the game, you reduce the overall level of referees. The average quality referee drops. Comes down, agreed, right? agreed, yeah. And agreed. then you hand the next guy out, and the next guy out. All these guys that are at the top of the pile, by handing get, guys out of the game, you make the refereeing worse. Till you get San Marino referees. Look, sure. <laughs> or Gibraltar referees. Okay. <laughs> it's and, counterintuitive. And no disrespect. No, I agree. I agree with you. I agree with you. No, they, you know, I agree with you. And Jose Mourinho a- is a role model. We have to stop agreeing. No, that I disagree with. He's not a role model. He right? is. He's a leader. Like or not, he is. No, he's not a role model. Who? What? Is he trying to encourage uh, eight-year-olds or 10-year-olds that want to be coaches? Come on. He's no, not a role model. But the point is that or, if or, a, or, a coach at grassroots football sees Jose do that and get away with it, oh, I must be all right then. No, it's not because I'm a coach at grassroots level. I don't do that. No, but you're a sane person. Well, Thank you. I hope so. Most of the time. Most I, of the time. I need to check that out, right? But <laughs> no, all jokes aside, no. Look, there are some difficult cases at grassroots football as well. There's no doubt, right? But it's the same deal for players. It's an approach. No, but it, no. It's the no, same deal. When the likes of Mitrovic and the incident that he had with the officials this season, it does filter down. Yeah, Bruno Fernandes. Let's not mention him. Yeah, no, hang on a second. Sure. No, but there's a difference between players being role model to kids, right? Because their kids are aspiring to be some, there are plenty of kids that aspire to be players at a professional level, not so much coaches because it's kind of after playing. So yes, there might be kids that like particular coaches, right? But they don't aspire to be coaches. So therefore they can't be role models. What I am contending though, is that coaches and managers of that nature are leaders of teams and as such, they need to, as part of the responsibility of being leaders, need to admit when they're wrong, and need to be punished. You know, and, uh, for the you know, need to face the consequences for those actions that they take, especially when in circumstances like that. It's that simple. And you can't go, oh, "I was passionate." No, that's a clop defense. I don't buy that. Bullshit. Right? Yeah, call it out. The fact is, is that you can't 
yes, we all get passionate about the game. I understand that. But no, you need to, if you're a professional and professional ethics and standards maintain that, you need to adhere to the rules and to the laws and to certain laws, you know, outside of the game as well, right? You need to adhere to the laws. It's that simple. That's You can't just go around calling people, you know, F and this and F and that, right? It's that simple, right? And you know that you, whatever you do is going to be on film. No. Sorry, mate. I mean, look, I know you're passionate. Well, I know you understand, but that's no excuse for your behavior. That's just bad behavior, being a sore loser, right? And that behavior is not on, and it happened within the control, the confines of a UEFA-controlled venue. UEFA are the ones who should come out and sanction him and ensure that that sanction is, you know, that ban is served um, in a UEFA-sanctioned competition such as the Serie A, and that's the end of it. End of section. Yeah, yeah. I can't disagree with you. And as an aside note, while I was and I remembered I saw a compilation of uh, Carl Vart on the sideline for Adelaide this season, and uh, <laughs> he uses some colourful language. <laughs> yeah, effing and jeffing. Yep. Yeah, I know. <laughs> It was like a two-minute compilation and maybe every two seconds. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I know. I'll see oh, if I can find it again and send it to you. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> if we can post it on uh, Twitter and Instagram, that'd be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. And Tom- look, yes, yes, it's funny, but also respect for referees. Pull your head in, yada, yada, yada. No, yada, yada, yada. Pull your head in. It's yeah. that simple. Yeah. Right. Um, there's a way to talk to referees. There's a way to have respect for referees. You, you know, and that's by the way that you communicate with them. They're not going to get everything right, but the last time I checked, not every player gets everything right either. So why do they do? Why do we expect the referee to get everything right? Not every manager either. <sighs> you know. So exactly right. So mm. it's just one of those things, right? It's quite simple, really. Just treat people the way you want to be treated. If you're in, if you're in those shoes, in the shoes of a referee, goodness knows why you'd want to do it. But if you are, all right, then <laughs> you need to put yourself in that person's shoes and actually say, "I'd like to be treated with respect if I was in that person's shoes." So I'm going to treat this person with respect when I interact with them. So where to now? Something that's just popped up on my feed here. Yes, and it sort of ties into uh, a couple of previous discussions we've had, and I'll read you the headline. Okay, comes from a Polish website. Okay. And it is, I'm sure you're familiar with uh, Simon Marciniak. You got to watch these Polish websites. Okay. <laughs> Do you know something I don't? Possibly. I don't know. <laughs> Simon Marciniak. I can neither uh... confirm nor deny. <laughs> I have nothing to say. That's right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Simon Marciniak, the mm. Polish referee, who mm-hmm. was in charge of the Men's World Cup final most yes. recently. And he'll be in charge of the Champions League final coming up this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, widely regarded as the best referee in Europe. Mm-hmm. He's been uh, uh, subject to a um, a contract being put on the table. What kind of contract? From Saudi Arabia. Ooh. For a so, few million dollars to go out there. Well, look, if they're, you know, if they're hunting sported, sports administrators, a couple of budding ones here as well, right? Put us on the list. <laughs> we'll consider any offer. But, you know, why not referees? Why not players? Yeah. Why not coaches? You know, you know who's, um, who is Benzema's new coach? Is it Nuno or is he in charge of a different team? No, no, it's Nuno. Nuno. Wow. There you go. 
Is that where he's been since he left Tottenham? I don't know if he's been completely in Saudi Arabia during that time, but I know that he's there now. Yeah, amazing. Mm. So there you have it. There you have it. So where to now, Nathan? Have you got anything else that caught your eye? Where do we start? Jeez, what haven't we covered? I mean, at the top of the show, we said it's been a busy week for football. It has been. Despite club football winding down for the season. It has been. This might be our biggest up late yet. Might be. That's why I said I almost called like that's why I called it up all night. Mm. Uh we mentioned that cash that Barcelona cash strapped, and even so much so that Gerard Piquet actually had uh, words to say about it recently over the last week or a few days. So that's uh worthy and of note. Maybe signing Messi was the best thing for them after all. Maybe. Maybe. Save themselves but, that um, massive wage packet. Mm, I suspect so. I suspect so. But also also, we discussed Sergio Ramos. Uh, look, I've, I'm just going through things that have picked, uh, just going through my phone and just, you know, things that I've kind of noted and what have you. There's no notes as such as, hey, this is what we want to talk about on the show, but it's just <laughs> things that of note that I've uh, paid particular attention to. But I think we've covered everything off there, Nathan, to be fair. Actually, there was one small thing. Oh, hang on. There is today. one thing. Hang on. Yes, go on. go on. No, no, no. You go on. I'll have we got the same up. thing? I doubt it, but let's go. Okay. I, well, it got announced today that the Australia Cup qualifying rounds between the bottom four sides in the league this season. Including MacArthur FC. Including MacArthur. Current cup uh, holders. Yes. They should qualify automatically because they won the cup the previous season, but. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. That's quite funny. But go on. But their cup defense starts in Darwin. In a, a do or die game. Correct. On a Tuesday night. What do we make of that? I like it. I like so the I. Fa- I like the fact that they've gone to Darwin and it's a double header. I think that's awesome. Didn't we, didn't we talk about this a few weeks ago that Football Australia or Australian football should be exploring Darwin as a market? It's a very tough place to play football in. It certainly is. Because it's 32 degrees all the time. At least they're trying, but. Uh, and one thing you're going to have is that. In the if the A League is being played in the current calendar slot that it's being played in, you're gonna have a wet season up there, which might make it a bit difficult to play. I mean, obviously, you know, they they could always do something with regards to the grounds and being in as far as drainage and all that. I get that. But um it's called a wet season for a reason and it's you know, you get deluges, well, it makes it difficult, right? So I think they're the two things. Like if the season were the calendar year, and you started the season, let's say, in March and finished in September or October, you'd probably get away with it uh, because that's the dry season, And but it is hot. So you'd imagine, you know, if you had teams from Melbourne and Adelaide where it's cold, I mean, you know, yes, Adelaide and Darwin are on the same time zone, but they're uh, thousands of uh, kilometres apart, and you do have, you know, the disparity in heat there, so... Not yeah, to mention would, Wellington. You would need some. Well, there you go. That's true too, right? So you do need. You would need some acclimatization, I think. Ah, uh, it'll be a tough place to go if they ever did get a team. As talk the about, football cliche goes. Talk about a distance derby between Wellington and Darwin. <laughs> Oof. Is it further than Perth? Well, okay. From Wellington. Well, I know. I, I recall having done the flight from um, Sydney to Darwin. That Sydney to Adelaide, and then Adelaide to Darwin. Right, Adelaide to Darwin. I thought was about three and a half to four hours flight. Mm-hmm. So 
Adelaide's in is one and a half. So there's, you know, okay, a bit of a stop over there. So, you know, it might be six hour travel time. What's Wellington to Sydney? About three hours. Yeah, it's about that. Yeah. And, and I think Sydney, Perth is what, five? Yeah, four and a half, five. Four and a half, five. Right. So, you know, so you got seven and a half there. Um, seven and a half between Wellington and Perth. Okay. Well, eight, the best part of eight hours. Mm. With, I think it's roughly the same. Um, Wellington. I think Sydney to Darwin's about five hours. Five. Sorry, Sydney Darwin. I, I, I don't know if you can do it direct. I'm, I'm, you know, it was, geez, a long time ago since I went to Darwin, right? I'd like to go again, but, um, yeah, I'd hazard a guess and say that it'd probably be about the same. Yeah, it'd yeah. probably be about the same. It would make for a great away day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tell, like, combine that with Tassie if they haven't got a team. Driving, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it would be a hell of an away day, especially if you yeah. get stuck into the Darwin Stubbies. Jeez, you know, <laughs> you'd be feeling it, I can tell you. I don't know if you know what a Darwin Stubby is. I do not. I do not. You do not. Okay. Go All on. right. Uh, Enlighten okay. me. All right. Well, for those old enough to drink, right, if for anyone under 18, close your ears. So, the, <laughs> no, but uh, the Darwin Stubby, the infamous Darwin Stubby is uh, NT Draft, right? So, the uh, local brew, NT Draft, two-litre bottles. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Two-litre beer bottles. Rip in. That's the Darwin Stubby. <laughs> That'll get you going. Yeah. Yeah. I and then you I, won't be going. <laughs> and then you won't be going. <laughs> Needless to say, I don't remember drinking that too much at all. But, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I preferred a different drop to that, but yes, there you go. Mm. But um, hell of a town, especially if you get the right people there. All right, you, you go with the right with the right crew. Very good. It's always good to play a football tournament up there if you can. So you know, yeah, good, very good, good times, good times. Anyway, mm. fantastic. Yeah. But but yeah, I would like to see more exploration in different markets. I don't think we see it enough, and I saw some pushback. On this decision to move the games up there, really? I, I'm okay. I'm surprised. Why? Yeah, Who would be I saw a little bit. That? Just generally, like the idea that I don't know the grand finals up for sale. This game, these games are up for sale. Australia playing in China up for sale. I, I don't agree with it, but it seems as though fans are a second priority. Okay, hang on a second. From Which from, fans? from the perspective, what? So Brisbane rule. So hang on. So Brisbane rule. Mm. No supporter base at the moment because of the owners. The backers. How are accused of not running the club as well as it should be? Is that fair to say? There's a lot of criticism about the way the Backries are allegedly running the club. Yeah, I think that's a bit fair. Okay, okay. So maybe if anything, a bit tame. Okay. Well, (laughs) I'm protecting (laughs) I'm protecting our 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 asses here. Right. I'm making no bones about that because we've had it said here before that the. You know, that the Raw is a basket case of a club. Oh, yeah. Okay. Allegedly, and I'm just leaving it at that. And so, I've said previously that if Newcastle Jets had a buyer, then the Packers wouldn't have their license. Correct. So then right now, so then you have MacArthur. Okay. So I'm guessing the only supporters that are complaining or the only club that has supporters that are complaining is the Melbourne Victory. You can throw Perth in there as well. Oh, Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. You've got two vocal supporter groups there. Although Melbourne Victory doesn't have an a an official supporter group anymore. Mm. But yes, 
Okay. I can understand why there would be some discontent, but you know what? I've got no problem with it. Neither do I. I think and it's a great I, idea. I looked up the attendances for these corresponding games last year. Across the two games, there was less than 2,000 people there. Whilst you'll probably get a fair few, you know, they might make an event of it at Darwin and, you know, you it's might get 5,000. on a Monday and a Tuesday night. Yeah, you might get 5,000, right? Yeah. And, yeah, any advancement on 2,000 is a positive outcome. Correct. But it, I don't know why are these games played on a Monday and Tuesday night. Why not the weekend? I'm not sure. Are they being televised? They should be. I hope they're on Paramount Plus. Yeah, they might be on Templar even. Mm, okay. Usually the, the, the cup games are on Templar. Well, well, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Well, let's hope they're covered and that there are good crowds out there. And, and if they are being covered, well, I look forward to watching it. I think that's me done for things that caught my eye this week, Lars. Mm, okay. Are you out as well? No, there is one thing. Were you oh, across God. the soccer tournament? Have you heard He's- of the soccer tournament, TST, the soccer tournament? Which soccer tournament? The the soccer tournament. The soccer tournament. They're all soccer tournaments, Lars. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> this one's called the soccer tournament. So I think Goal.com had an initiative as well. So basically this was played in the States from what I understand. Seven aside competition, $1 million on the line. It had clubs like West Ham United, Borussia Dortmund, um, and I was going to say someone else. Who else was there? Wrexham. Of course. And a couple of others, Right involved in this in some form, some shape or form. It was broadcast on YouTube live. AFC Richmond? Uh, I'm not too sure if they were. I'm not across that. But basically, um, it uh, was a club called Newtown FC, Newtown Pride FC from Connecticut, who took out the tournament and won the $1 million. But it looked pretty good on TV. Yeah, seven aside. I'm a fan of six aside. Right, myself, but um, Happowell Tel Aviv were there. So it was quite a an eclectic mix. An eclectic mix, indeed. Right. Um, AFC Richmond, uh, the team from uh, the Ted Lasso series. Well, <laughs> of course. Sorry, I need to get on to Ted Lasso. I haven't watched it. <laughs> People have been telling me about it. I need to watch it. Uh, it's the kind of thing I'm, I'm going to have to binge. Yeah, that, um, yeah, it does. Set, yeah, it is one of them. So for, yeah, so forgive me there if I, you know, I, I was <laughs> trying to actually look up the teams and see if there was any anything there, but this caught my eye that hey, there was a million dollars up on the line for this, you know, great little tournament. Um, Am I surprised had, that it's in the states where it's called the soccer tournament? Yeah, I know, which actually had um, you know prize money on the line and you know some involvement from big clubs. So yeah, it was good to see. So there you go, and it uh, looks like that uh, that'll be an annual event. Oh, nice. Mm. So there you go. Nice actually to see some spotlight on football that's not 11 aside. Yeah, well, see, look, there's a bit of um, a move towards that, I think. And look, I, I don't think futsal does enough to get the coverage that it should get. Um, so, you know, why not a six-a-side tournament or a seven-a-side tournament and, and – Remember, uh, I think it was Gerard Piquet that actually had the Kings League or something like that, that he, you know, yep, a small tournament a that he had kicking off. So it's good to see these initiatives and good to see that, you know, obviously with with uh, streaming platforms that you're able to get, um, you know, get to view these things. So, yeah. Are we going to do a Champions League preview? Because this is what we've all, this is just the only thing we've got oh, to look forward to now. Okay. All right. I've actually got a couple of things up. on what I'm looking forward to this um, weekend. Unless actually. you've got other things that you want to look forward to. Yeah, for sure. Let's, let's go. I do, actually. I do. I have a couple of things. Go for it. Um, want to mention uh, Spets here against Verona. 
the relegation playoff. That's the relegation playoff, yeah. Yeah. Yep. They both bit, finished on 31 points. I was going to say. That's, mm. It's rare to actually have that. But Yeah, um, they actually yeah. brought it back. They yeah. got, they did away with it, and mm. Verona would have been relegated on goal difference. Yeah. But now it's a relegation playoff. Let me ask you a question, and I should have brought this up, <clears throat> because we had six, with the La Liga, we had six teams that could have been relegated, mm. right? And you also, they could have all been saved in some weird way. It's just the way, <laughs> yes. it's just the way that it all worked out, right? But effectively, what happens is um, in Spain, they go on head-to-head before goal mm. difference. Right? Yeah. And I, actually, the last season, there was a case of head-to-head, which actually came in, which knocked out, I can't remember which uh, side off the top of my head got uh, relegated from La Liga last year, but because uh, uh, we're in Spain and uh, that was happening. But what do you th- what do you like? Do you prefer goal difference or do you prefer head to head? I think I prefer goal difference as a first tiebreaker because mm. it's indicative of your placing in the league, not just relative to the team above you or below you. I suppose head to head's nice in some cases, yes, but it is a league, not a knockout tournament. Okay, yeah, yeah. Now, I, look, I understand that. I just thought it would be a good discussion point. I actually, I don't Do mind. You said the other way. No, not necessarily. I don't mind the head-to-head either. I, I get why if it's a team, like you know, if they're teams that are because they're right next to each other. That's the only time that they would be used, right? So if yeah, you know, um, you know, Newcastle United goal difference are you know in eighteenth and Manchester United are in seventeenth, but on points, you know, they're the same. But Newcastle United have happened to knock over you know, uh, Manchester United head-to-head, well, then that position changes, right? So All different sounds good to me. Yeah, exactly. Whilst <laughs> head-to-head would sound good to me, right? And if that's the case. And, and the reason why I say that is because if that's the tiebreaker, then it obviously it changes and you're still in and around the same position. So, yeah, I, like I can understand why head-to-head would be acceptable, right? Because you've taken points away from the other, from your, uh, you know, directly opposing team or the team that's under you. So by rights, you jump them in effect, right? Or you stay ahead of them because you've gone head-to-head against them and you're in a better place out of those two games. Yeah, I don't really have anything too offside about yeah. being head-to-head over goal difference. But yeah, yeah, I can Consi- understand. The goal difference uh, consistency is a, is a reflection of consistency, I think. It is, it is. Yeah. And... Just thinking, is head-to-head more desirable than goal difference when it comes to deciding a title versus deciding relegation? Is there a difference? Well, see, that's a good point, right? And I think in deciding a title, there's an argument for head-to-head, isn't there? There is. Even though I, part of me would say the same thing, that it is a league, not a knockout yeah. competition where you have a final. Yeah. Mm. Well, see, Bayern Munich won a league title on goal difference. But they did. Incredible. I th- they would have won on head-to-head too, no? I think they would have, actually. Yeah. Yeah, correct. Yeah, they would have They would have won on head-to-head as well. But, yeah, it, it's interesting, isn't it, that goal difference... Well, in the Premier League, it's goal difference, then goal scored. Mm. Then it's goal difference in matches between the teams. Mm. Which is like head-to-head, isn't it, really? It's a form of head-to-head yeah. that way. Yeah. I know. It is, it's head-to-head after goal scored, I'm pretty sure. Right, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's a, a bit further down the list for the Premier League, and mm. maybe it should be head to head after goal difference instead of goal scored. Yeah, I, I could see an argument for that. Fair enough. 
Fair enough. Where if you're level in terms of consistency over a season, as well as the amount of points you've got on the board, then drop it down to between the two games rather than how many goals you scored. Because then you get in a very rare scenario where a team stays up because they're more attacking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. So, Nathan, we've got to go to Asia now because Colombia. Why don't we go to Colombia first? We didn't right. do the Champions League final. Oh, <laughs> I was trying to save. I'm yourself happy to some, skip over it. <laughs> I was trying to save yourself some some pain there, but that's okay. You're seeing Please. that you insist. I wanted you to bring it up because I, I already <laughs> tried to bring it up, but you were a bit eh. But now, okay, let's go. <laughs> Does Manchester City do the trouble? No. Answer, yes. <laughs> there you go. Champions League covered. Right. Yep, done. I'll, I'll save you pain now. Look, um, I just don't see – I know that we've said it before, but I just don't see this Inter Milan side troubling Manchester City. I really don't. Unfortunately for you, Nathan, and your you know fellow Manchester United supporters, couldn't happen to a better bunch, right? The <laughs> treble uh, – the feet of the treble will be emulated – from um, your noisy neighbours. Uh, well, we will have always done it first. Yeah. Yeah. It, but you know yeah. what? There's an argument of who did it best. And uh, yeah, that's a it's separate yet, debate. yet to be determined. But <laughs> right, I think that, it, you know, for all intents and purposes, Manchester City have been amazing this season. Yeah, they have. And, and, they have. and I've enjoyed watching them more so than previous years, to be fair. I think this season has been pretty interesting. Mm. Follow Manchester City, just Pep evolving his style and developing this new system, this three, two, four, one with John Stones in midfield type deal. Yeah. Or as I as I would call it, my system, right? <laughs> I used it before Pep did, I can tell you. No. Um <laughs> well I actually probably did, you know. But that's uh that's all right. Um uh, and you can ask Angelo Tolocker about that actually. <laughs> His brother would know about it, but um, yeah, no, three, two, four, one. Um, but yeah, the fact that he's evolved to the he's evolved the team and his coaching style to counter a striker, which was so counterintuitive to what we understood Pep's system to be so far, like the way that he normally likes to play, you know, have his teams play football with a false number nine and no really recognized striker. And to have an out-and-out striker, number nine, proper number nine, and have the results that he's had so far, well done to them. Well done to them. And he's only going to get better. And Manchester City are only going to get better whilst Pepper's in charge. Hmm. And really, as a side note, to bring it full circle, mm-hmm. provided the next couple of years go well or well enough, I think uh, there'll be one Greek Australian in line to replace Pep. When that day comes, wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that be something? He'd be on the list. And um, you've already heard Pep this week when he was asked about Postacoglu being appointed at Spurs, saying he's a very, very good manager, another difficult manager to con- you know to contend with. So and all he wants to do is score a goal at Tottenham. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can see, I can definitely see it happening because well, he just got so many CFG links. Yeah. Mm. It's it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see how Edge does and how this current mob of Spurs players can actually change their ways because they're going to have to adapt to Edge's style very quickly. 
And Ange suffers no fools. So if he doesn't like what he sees, he will try and move on them very quickly. The well, I only... think it's interesting that he's bringing down, was it John Kennedy? Was yeah. From Celtic? Is that confirmed yet? I thought. I, that's the I, talk. I, I, I haven't seen that, either way. Yeah, I understood the Kennedy's in in line for the Celtic job. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, maybe Celtic supporters would rather Kennedy take over than mm. Brendan Rogers or Jesse Marsh, who have been the lead replacements. Oof. Character. Um, mm. I don't know if they'll take character back again. Hey, if I was in the NBA, I'd make a joke about Jesse Marsh turning up at Celtic and not seeing the expected basketballers. Uh. <laughs> oh, actually, speaking of basketballers, uh, I saw a tweet from Yanis at the Dugubo. Yep. Right? With regards to... Oh, I, I do know try and, yep. Uh, I've got to try and find it. It is hilarious. It is hilarious. I've got to, I'll try and find it. But um, So, essentially, what's happened is that uh, with the Saudi invasion of uh, football... Yep. Yanis had uh, tweeted something or actually posted something, which was quite funny. Let me just uh, – almost there, almost there. Yeah, come on, come on, come on. Oh, there's one thing that we've missed as well. Oh, go on. Zlatan. Oh, of course. Here we go. Let's get – okay, so Yanis Adedokubo, right? I was just sitting on my couch scrolling through on your page. For you, so he's obviously tweeted this at someone – uh, Messi, Ronaldo, and Benzema. If you're looking for a goalie for next season, let me know. <laughs> How good's that? <laughs> he obviously played goalkeeper in Sepulia and Athens in Greece when he was growing up, aside from basketball. But uh, yeah, mm. yeah. If you're from Saudi Arabia and you're in charge of the money, mm. would you take him up on it? Because, of course, Saudi Arabia doesn't have any real basketball links. You'd have to see how they keep. (laughs) You'd have to see see how he is for goalkeeper. Hey, wouldn't it be something, if you're Saudi Arabia, to poach one of the biggest stars in the NBA to go and play goalkeeper for Al-Halal? Yeah, incredible. (laughs) So, uh, just tracking back to Messi's for a deal, Miami deal. I don't know if you want to cut this in later or what the story is. So This is all happening at... As is. As is. All right. So yeah, we've uh, pulled the curtain back and uh, we can't be asked doing anything else. So this is just uh, going back to how it is. So percentages. This show's too long to go and yeah. chop. Yeah. And Nathan does all the editing, by the way. So, and I keep thanking him for the amazing job he does. So there you go. Oh, you lo- just you, you rang me specifically after the harp. <laughs> well, that was hilarious, mind you. <laughs> Uh, that was hilarious. Even my wife laughed a bit. That. I mean, when I said that, I actually played it for her. She, you know, because it's all gibberish to her anyway, right? The pod, yeah. but yes. But, I'd um, say it's all Greek, but. Yeah, well, that. she knows Greek. So percentage <laughs> of uh, subscriptions to MLS season pass on Apple TV paid directly by Apple. Mm-hmm. Percentage yeah. of added, uh, percentage of Adidas profits resulting from his involvement in the MLS paid by paid directly by Adidas. Option to purchase percentage of an MLS franchise at the end of his career. Oh, existing. Mm. Which is probably even better because there's a lot of uh, equity within those, you know, well-established ones. So there what you go. Perc- how, what percentage are we talking here? It doesn't what? say. It's not disclosed, but it's an option to purchase a percentage of an MLS franchise at the end of his career. And that's according it can't to be more the, than 50%. That's according to The Athletic. So there you go. Yeah. That'll have some weight behind it too. That's not speculation. Um, so, Yes. But that's interesting. It can't be more than 50%. So there you have it. 
surely, because really, he can't be taking over a club from an established owner. Yeah. Yeah. It's might, might be 20, 25. Might be, not sure. Yeah. We'll just have to watch the space. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you mentioned Zlatan. Zlatan. Retired. Football has retired from Zlatan. That's right. That's right. According to Sergio Ramos. If that's not, if I, if I think, I think he got, I think he was the one who actually said that, didn't he? That mm. uh, football has retired from Zlatan, not Zlatan from football. So, uh, Ibrahimovic joking during the uh, last press conference saying, I woke up today, so, uh, I woke up today and saw it was raining. And I thought, damn, even God is sad. <laughs> but this is the best shithousery of all time. Oh, nobody does it like Zlatan. Hellas Verona fans booing Zlatan at the end of the game, right? And he comes around <laughs> and says, Keep booing. This is the biggest moment in your year seeing me. <laughs> Mind you, they've just been spanked as well, right? Yep. But Zlatan actually saying that, you know, keep booing. This is the biggest moment in your year seeing me. <laughs> it, to be fair, it might actually be if they lose at the weekend. Well, yeah. Yeah. No, it's incredible. Incredible. But that was just, that's just the best, um, the best form of shithousery ever, I think. And probably there's lots on highlight of his career. Well, one of his many highlights, but he'll be missed. All right. But oh, and I wish, I wish the A League had done something to try and get him here now. Right. But um, yeah. yeah, not going to happen. Might, might have been a bridge too far monetarily. Possibly. possibly. When uh, Zlatan played in LA, LeBron sent Zlatan a Lakers jersey as a gift. And when Zlatan visited Los Angeles, Zlatan signed the jersey and sent it back to LeBron. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's amazing! That's <laughs> oh, it's so good. So heads so down, good. Zlatan. Thank you for what you've done to you know for entertaining the crowds of football. You've been absolutely crazy. It's been good. It's been awesome. But he's more than just an entertainer. Brilliant striker. Yeah. Iconic number nine. Yeah. Um, so score of so many great goals down the years. The one that stands out for me is the one that he scored for Sweden against England. From outside the box, the bicycle. Mm. Oh, what an incredible goal that was. Yeah. There's so many others as well. Yeah. Nah, just insane. Insane. So, should we go to Colombia now and talk about America de Cali? This has been going on so much. I think it's time for us to go overseas. Yes. <laughs> um, We can talk about America de Cali if you want. Well, it's not good news. Not particularly, but yeah, go on. It's not good news. We for lost those, again. For those that are new to the pod. Yes, we cover off uh, four leagues now. Where four leagues. Me and Laz pick the side from each, and we go through and ride the results and see where we end up at the end of the season. So uh, in Colombia, Colombian Apertura has uh, finished, and is a, the championship groups now. And uh, America to Cali, my side. We made it this far, but we will go no further. Yeah, we lost to Millonarios two one, and that eliminates us from contention. You have to win the group of four to go through. But we are donezo. Whilst Deportivo Cali didn't actually make the clausura de apertura, right? <laughs> or the, cl- <laughs> the closure of the opening. So there you go. There you uh, go. And yeah, it's it's a few weeks still until the uh, second phase kicks off. It's well, mid-July, I think it is. So it'll be the apertura de clausura. <laughs> yes. Yes, there, indeed. There you go. Um, there you go. Let's head up to Japan. Yeah, let's go to Japan. Why not? Uh, well, my side uh, didn't have their game against Kobe on the weekend and got called off. Yeah. Do we know why? Because I, I tried, tried to, to find, find it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I couldn't see it. My guess would be to do with weather. but Maybe it was Iniesta. Who knows? <laughs> he didn't feel like playing. Didn't feel like playing. Um, and uh, on the weekend, um, Kawasaki Frontale mm. were at home to uh, San Freche Hiroshima, who were fourth mm. in the league. So, tough game. Mm. So, yeah, Visual Kobe will take on Kawasaki Frontale on the 22nd of July. So... That's a ways off. Yeah, it is a ways off. Whilst uh, Tokyo FC, unfortunately, went down to Yokohama Marinos 2-3 at home. Tough game. Always a yeah, tough game. Yeah, look, always a tough game. Very true. Very Is true. a musket on his way to Celtic? Whoa. <laughs> Didn't think about that. Hey, look, it could happen, right? I mean, there's been no talk about it, but it could happen. No. Did Celtic not... go back to the well and try yeah. it again? Yeah, you know, can't hurt, can it? Well, I mean, it could. <laughs> well, no, but no, in the sense that what have they got to lose, really? I mean, Yokohama Maris would be the loser because they'd be halfway through the season. Yeah. Right? Uh, provided they got compensated, I don't see it being a huge issue. So, um, yeah, Tokyo FC still in 12th on 19 points, whilst uh, Kawasaki Frontale are on 21 points in 10th. So there you go there. So should we go to Korea? Let's go to Vietnam. Let's nice. go to Vietnam. Let's go to Vietnam. Let's go to Vietnam. Um, Kong An, we had a 4-1 win over Tan Hoa at the weekend. We're in second place now, one point off the top of the league. Ooh, that's why you wanted to go to Vietnam. Uh, there's a, no, there's another reason. That was one of them, but I had another one in mind. What was the reason? Uh, we'll get to it. Okay, let's see. <laughs> How did your boys get on? I'm interested to hear what the reason is. Interested to hear what the reason is. Hang All on will be second. revealed. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. So, um, okay. Ah, oh, dear. So, Ho Chi Minh City went, so they won on Thursday night, when we or Wednesday night when we recorded last week. This weekend that just passed, they went down away to Song Lam Nhi An, down 2-1. So, Ho Chi Minh City are um, roosted at the bottom of the table on seven points. Not been good. Not looking good at all. So I picked the dud there, but that's okay. These things happen. Hey, when you're picking four teams, one of them is bound to be a dud. Well, you know, hey, happens, happens. So uh, so this weekend? No games. No games? Is this why you break again. Again? Again, again, again. Lazy Two weeks bar- off. Lazy bastards. No V-League next week either. So this is why you wanted to go to Vietnam, eh? No, I wanted to leave Korea till last. Ah, okay. Oh, okay, let's go. So, Korea. So, there was a round yesterday. Mm. And it was a one-all draw to Incheon United. Or, sorry, I should say, it was a one-all draw with Incheon United. We're up late at the moment. <laughs> Very late. <laughs> hey, Words aren't if coming grammar's out. the only thing going at this time of night, then we're doing okay. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, I'm sure there are other things, but let's not go there. So, now... <laughs> Um, yes, so <laughs> well, Pohang Steelers uh, had a 2-1 win, your lot, and that was on Tuesday night, our time, but I yeah, have a feeling you- uh, Jeju United. Yeah, I have a feeling you want to talk about the weekend. Coming up, I certainly do. Oh, coming up, sorry, I thought you wanted to talk about last weekend just gone. No, no, we lost 4-2 to Guangzhou, I don't want to talk about that. Well, that's why I wanted to talk about it. <laughs> I mean, we, like, Seoul FC lost 1-0 to Daegu, but, you know, hey, mm. but- um. But yeah, there you go. So, all right. Well, let's go forward to this weekend then, uh, Nathan. Yeah. And uh, obviously, without having to say too much, right, there is a backpack derby in Korea. 
Oh, yes, there is. And this is why I left Korea until lucky last. And well, 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 well spotted. Well spotted. Because Poang Steelers in second. Yes. Going away to third place FC Seoul. Yeah. In the backpack derby. It is a big one. Six it point, is a big one. A six-pointer. And really, a six it's, a, it's a six-pointer for looking down, not up, realistically. Mm, that's right. Also on a, off in the distance and uncatchable. No, correct. No, correct. Look, Poang win you know, opens up a five-point gap over Seoul, whilst, um, you know, if Seoul win... They jump in front of uh, Pohang Steelers. But um, there's Jeju United, which are um, just behind Seoul, FC Seoul, uh, on goal difference alone. Hot so, on your heels. Yes, they are. And on yours too. That is true. That's true. Only two points back. So, and Pohang, you got a pretty uh, unfavorable goal difference. Mm. So, so come, into, come into play, potentially. That's true. So, yeah. So, let's go... Um, I'll be going for Seoul, and obviously you'll be going for Poang, and let's see what happens next week. Let's see what happens. That game is going to be on Sunday night at 7 p.m. Yeah. Sydney time. Yeah, and it should on be Optus on Optus Sport. Sport. Yeah. Not, not that they're a sponsor. <laughs> the official name of the broadcaster, yes. <laughs> Correct. That's right. So, yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, catch the J-League and the K-League on Optus Sport. So, pretty good. Pretty good to see. But, Nathan, you didn't give me a score for the Champions League final. Oh, do I have to? Oh, I think you should. I think it's only fair. Well, I think, speaking of things that might be classed as only fair, I think after the actions of what we saw from the West Ham supporters this morning, mm-hmm. I think you wait for to take strong action against it. And yeah, so. the, only, the only punishment I deem appropriate would be right. a week-long ban for all English teams in European football. Starting on Sunday? Yep. Right, okay. Well, that's not going to happen, so. Ah, <laughs> uh, no. Um, look, City are fantastic. That they are. Looking back on the game, after the fact, it will be obvious that they deserve to have won the game, whether they have or not. Mm-hmm. I can't see Inter Milan dominating the match. I can't see them picking up more shots or more XG or whatever other metric you want to use. Mm-hmm. City will have most of the ball, most of the shots, but I can only hope that... Uh, into have a defensive masterclass and nick a goal off a set piece or a penalty or a penalty shootout. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right there. I think, look, the key to Inter Milan being successful in this Champions League final is to see if they can keep a clean sheet. Really, if they can keep Manchester City to zero, well, then, you know, then then Inter Milan might have a chance on winning the Champions League final on penalties. Look, I can see Jacko getting something at a set piece. That's a possibility as well. Uh, at that point, maybe a one or can send it to extra time penalties. Maybe. Maybe. If if Man City score two goals, it's over. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. All right. If, if Man City manage to score two goals, it's over. Yeah. Because they'll just, uh, you know, the floodgates will be open and uh, Inter Milan will have to open up and try to get goals and yeah, I just don't see it happening. After and that. Inter have to score first. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. They have to keep. Like, it has to be one nil or nil or. It really does. Yeah. yeah. So for Inter to win, but either way, it'll be interesting to watch and entertaining to watch, and uh, it'll be on stand here in Australia. So looking forward to watching uh, Max Rushton again and uh, Mark Bosnich and Craig Foster. Speaking of Craig Foster, it's amazing that that interview that he had with Ange all those years ago circulates. 
Every time Ange gets a new job. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it pop up everywhere on the socials this yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. And they should actually have that. <laughs> they should have the interview that uh, Foz and, um, and Ange did in Sydney when he brought Celtic back. Mm, yeah. You know, as well at the end of it, because that was a really insightful insightful uh, interview. And, and they refer back to that, and it's quite interesting to see. Yeah. I mean, it's great viewing. That interview back I, in the day. I remember watching that live at the time. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do remember watching that live at the time. Les Murray, God rest his soul. Jeez, you know, we've brought up a couple of uh, couple of names there with Australian football today. Yep, absolutely. And, yeah, I don't remember if the late Johnny Warren was on the panel either, but, you know, uh, may we, you know, may all their memories be eternal, but along with uh, the great Riley Rosic that uh, we lost today, but... Yeah, I remember watching that live and uh, just incredible, incredible, uh, incredible TV, incredible viewing and, and passion, you know. And look, I think they're the kind of conversations that we need to have as a game. And, and you know, I think we're mature enough here as people involved with football here to have those conversations. and not Some of ha- us are anyway. And not take it personally and actually try and go, you know what, we, we're passionate, we care about the game. Let's move forward and see if we can find some common ground and shake hands and, and have a chat about it. And try and work, you know, not bear, you know, hold grudges and, you know, tell it, you know, yell it and just, you know, basically not have any end product for the game or anything pro productive for the game. So it all comes from a place of genuine passion and love and custodianship. That's the most important word, custodianship, I think. It right? is. It is. And, you know, you could see that in both Ange and and Craig. So I just hope that we have that approach across all roles in football for as many people involved in football as possible. And yeah, unfortunately, I don't think there's enough of it. And I'm not not saying that to be critical of the current administrators. It's just something, it's just more so an observation more so than anything else. I don't know how you see it, but yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. Well said, Les. I think that's a good place to end the show. I think we've hit the back peg. Indeed, we have. Indeed, we have. Been a long one. <laughs> Been a bumper one, but there was a lot to cover. Um, <laughs> a lot to cover. So we want to thank everyone for the feedback that we had from the episode with Claire Morfuni as well from and Swindontown and the new listeners that we picked up in the UK. Yeah, important to mention. Yeah. Thank you for everyone who checked it out. Yeah. Thank you um, to Johnny Layfield for writing the article in the Sweden Advertiser. Correct. Deserves a mention. We greatly appreciate it. And, yeah, it was our biggest episode to date. So hats off to everyone out there who's checked it out. And yeah. uh, we love each and every one of you. And, um, yeah, thanks to Clem and thanks to Swindon Town and uh, thanks to the Swindon Advertiser. It was, uh, yeah, it was unprecedented. So it was really good to, to have that um, that feedback and the feedback from the listeners as well. And thanks to my mate Nectar for uh, getting me to talk about Spurs again. Although it was going <laughs> to happen with Ange, of course. I, I think it's going to happen plenty of times over the next nine months. Yeah, uh, you know, looking forward to it. Looking forward to the uh, new season. But we've got the matter of the Women's World Cup coming up as well soon. So, yes, which will we uh, divulge in, in due course in two weeks' time. Mm. Our preview mm. shows will start. Yeah, stay tuned for that. Yeah, indeed, indeed. So, thanks to all the listeners out there. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the Back Peg, and you can follow us individually. At uh, Lazarus Doc Ramosson, at Nathan J Gould on Instagram, respectively, 
And any other way you want to connect with us, uh, you know, feel free to message us directly. Let us know your thoughts, any feedback, any criticism, whatever you like. Just uh, feel free to get in touch with us. Beauty. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Luz. Thanks again, Nathan. We'll speak to you next week. Thanks, everyone. Take care, all. <laughs>